All right, welcome. This is Orion Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into the show. All right, it's Friday night, love one, and I'm already having latency problems with my internet. <laughs> share this out, share it out, share it out, share it out. All right, welcome everybody. Friday night, you know what that means, right? Craziness, the law of one once again. This is class number 12. All right. Hold on. Let me take down this, this this overlay here and turn the sound up. So when I do raw, there I am using the lapel mic without the little buffer on there because uh, it makes the microphone a little bit louder. Probably screwing it up while I'm talking. So if there's any issues, let me know. Uh, it should be working fine. I tested it just before we live, right? And then you can see I got the thing up ready to go, right? So let me go over here so I can see what you guys are saying. All right. Welcome. Denise, welcome. Reese, welcome. If you guys are in the audience out there, say hello so I know that you're out there, right? Give me a shout out and share this out, share this out, share this out, right? So, okay, Friday night, Law of One, we were on question number 8.7. Uh, so I, I'm going to start there with that again. Casey, welcome. Welcome, welcome. So we've been having issues with the microphone. A lot of people on my MP3 broadcast have contacted me and said, you know, you have your microphone's crackling. I said, yeah, I know. We were aware of that. And I was trying to, to go through it and work through it, but it just didn't work out. So I got my lapel mic out. So next week, when you guys, uh, when the show goes live, you guys will hear me without, hopefully without any crackling, because it has like a 30-foot cord attached to it. So um, I don't have my glasses on. I said, I don't know why I have my glasses on, but I guess I'm reading, right? Stuff on the screen. So let me know if the if the microphone is is uh, too messed up. This is the one that I would hook onto my lapel, as you can see. Only the little buffer. I took the little buffer off. It's sitting over here on the desk uh, because the sound is a little bit louder because this computer system, the jack I talked about that before, is older. The guts are not, but the mechanics of it is. So the, all the software is new, but the you know um, I should have just built my own like we used to do back in the day when we were playing games right when i was playing world of warcraft back in 2008 we built our own computers we would literally take plywood and build a box and then add extra fans to it and so we would insert all the brand new plugs and outlets for every uh, device that you're going to insert or plug in i didn't do that i used an existing um, uh, computer that i bought and then uh, pulled the guts out and put in all new stuff so that it was, you know, a little Arnold Schwarzenegger computer. However, uh, the jack is however old this box is whenever the box was made, whenever the computer itself was made, it's probably 10, 12 years old, right? So I'm dealing with that kind of stuff. I haven't upgraded. I do have a brand new laptop that I'm not using for anything other than playing games. You know, as soon as you start going on the Internet and using it for other things, all of a sudden, Google downloads 35 apps onto your all, all uh, except for DuckDuckGo. I'm right now I'm using MSN and MSN has probably got eight windows or 10 windows open for a bunch of apps. It's annoying, uh, even though I am listed as an app builder on, on Apple's uh, uh, site. Um, I was working and building apps 10 years ago and in uh, in before that, but. I never got rich at it, right? I never made that video game. I was going to make a video game about bacon. Uh, and, uh, and and then I was going to make the emoji. And then, bam, somebody did it like four or five years ago. I was like, why does nobody have the bacon emoji? I'm going to have to make one. I didn't. I should have. I'd have been rich right now. Okay. 
So, and when apps first came out, I was the app guy. I'm like, I love apps. Now they're just annoying, right? You got an app for everything. And the problem is that, like, I have an Android phone uh, and, you know, I get the update uh, is telling me that some of my apps need to be updated and I'll go through and I got like 50 apps on my phone and I have to do each one because even when you tell it to do all for some reason on an Android, it's not like Apple. On Apple, if you just say, uh, you know, upload all, uh, then it does that. Whenever there's a new app, it automatically updates it for you. I've tried to have that settings uh, uh, set up. It still doesn't do it. I keep getting this freaking uh, uh, pop-up. It says I have uh, apps that need to be updated. I'll go through, and it'll take me like a 30 minutes, and there'll be one freaking app. One app will update, and it'll take like 30 seconds. It takes me 30 minutes and half my damn battery, not quite, but it takes a quarter of my battery unless I have my phone plugged in, 30 minutes to go through and check every single app to find out which one. So I don't do it until it bugs me uh, for like a week. And then I go, okay, there's got to be, because it like, seems like every day, uh, you know, guys are justifying their jobs. I said this before when, when apps first started. You have to justify your job. That's how you continue to make money. Creating the app uh, only if it goes completely insane, uh, uh, viral, uh, like, you know, Candy Crush or a few other games that went absolutely nuts. I remember playing Candy Crush when it first started, and it only had, like, 15 levels. And I was like, I'm done with this, man. They need to hurry up. And we were waiting for new levels. Now there's so many, you can never finish it. And I, w- and I refused to pay, uh, right, to go forward. So I would take me a little bit longer. I still do that with video games. I don't pay money, cash money. I pay money for the actual prescription or subscription. And then I don't pay money in-game. I refuse. I won't play a game uh, that is designed that way to get your money. Won't do it. If it's designed to where you only go further in the game or get better shit by paying real cash, I won't play the game. Because it's a ripoff. I mean, if I invented the game, it's a great idea. It is. It's a great idea. And I was going to do that when I was building apps for for uh, you know, for the Apple uh, uh, phones and, and computers. I was looking at trying to find that that you know that golden calf, the golden fleece or the golden goose that would lay the golden egg, just like everybody else. Right. Okay. So we're gonna get into it. I only you know I killed a few minutes. I always try to kill a few minutes to let you guys share this out because I don't have time to share it out anymore. I used to go ahead of time and set the key and then share the key out. And problem with that is that I end up putting it out there and somebody inevitably on one of the sites I share it to. When you share it to as many sites as I share it to, that's, you know, uh, if I shared it to Ancient Aliens by itself, there's almost 350,000 members, right, uh, in the group. So there's a bunch of other groups that I would share stuff to. And the problem with that is you, out of all those people, somebody's going to report you as spam. And I got in trouble every week. So I stopped doing that. I rely on you guys to, to share it out uh, to groups that you know will or people you know would want to listen to it. All right, hold on. I'm going to turn the sound up on my uh, on my stereo here uh, on my speakers, so that when Raw is talking, it's a little bit louder. Let me know if it comes through, uh, you know, messed up because I don't have that little buffer on. I can put the buffer on it, but the, the volume will drop probably about I don't know, maybe 10 percent. So you guys would have to turn up or put on earbuds or earphones or something to hear me for hear Raw a little bit better. And it might be messed up now, right? So hopefully it's not. Nobody's saying anything. So if, if I'm not saying, if you guys can't hear me, I'm sure you would have said something by now, right? You guys are, are, are they're saying hello in the chat. And hopefully I'm not speaking. And you guys are going, I have no idea what this man is trying to say. So 
I'm going to assume you can hear me because I tested it and showed the microphone was working. So if the battery goes dead, I have a backup battery here. I'm going to have to order some more uh, because I'll leave this you know, running now. I don't know how long the battery life is in, in these uh, uh, lapel uh, microphones. So I have another battery that's sitting here in case it goes dead. So if it, if it goes dead, please somebody out there go, uh, Leo, your mic went dead so I can change the battery. Otherwise, I won't know. Right, because I, I, I'd have to keep switching over and opening up the window to see if the microphone is because it, it, it doesn't do that live. It's annoying to me that it doesn't do it live. That's the only thing I don't like about. Uh, um, yeah, see, that's probably because I don't have the buffer on and it's and it's picking up my my uh, uh, breath. Right, hold on. So now I have the buffer on and the sound's going to be lower, but it's not going to have any problem with uh, scratchiness. See, that scratchiness is my breath when I'm talking uh, on the microphone. That's what these are for. I don't know if you can see that, the little buffer thing. That's what those little things are for, is, uh, is, so, that, uh, is so that you don't hear that. You don't hear all the S's and, and all the P's, right? You know, all those sounds that cause, that cause extra air to uh, escape when you're speaking in different languages. And they put these little buffers over the top to stop that so you don't hear it. But it takes away from the volume of the microphone when you do that. All right, so I'm going to leave it that way just in case. Now, with raw, it shouldn't have a problem because there is no breath. It's just, but then again, electronics get a different kind of tinny sound when you put it into a microphone, right? So I'll leave this on here. And if it's not high enough for you guys, let me know and I'll pull it back off. All right. So, okay, let's go ahead and, and restart at 8.7 because that's where we were. Uh, at where we stopped and then it died. The longer it just sits here, the more chance the stupid program until I get another one. If Peter shows up, he's going to go, Dragon Speak, what's your deal? Because he's been trying to get me to do that over and over now for probably a couple of years, honestly. A couple of years. Okay. So let's go ahead and uh, and continue right here. Just start up. Okay. So I'm going to put the mic down and take me off the screen here. Let me put this up full screen as close as we, we can get it. And we will start. Okay, here we go. Eight point seven questioner. I'm puzzled by these craft that we have undersea bases for. They are inaudible. Is this technology sufficient to overshadow all other armaments? Do we have just the ability to fly in these craft or are there any weapons like there are? Were they given to us inaudible or are they just craft for transport? What is the basic mechanism of their inaudible? It's really hard to believe is what I'm saying. R.A. I am R.A. And what I have a problem with is, is that perfect, inaudible uh, sound when the questions were asked. <laughs> right? <laughs> were they given to us by inaudible? What is their propulsion system for inaudible? I love that, right? I don't believe that that was really that way. I'll have to play that, that actual uh, thing to see if it is. And generally it is. Uh, but that's not what they did for the for the book. This is the actual um, transcript of the uh, of the recording. So it's not actually from the book itself. This is uh, everything raw before the book. Um, I used to have this up on the screen and I read it to you whenever there was changes made so that you guys would know. So if you go back and watch in, in the archives, uh, me uh, doing the show for the first time, uh, especially the first half where stuff like this was happening. Uh, you'll see that I made sure that you guys knew that, that there were changes made. Those were edits, so I'm not going to be worried about that because they, they were the ones who did it. 
right? But that's hilarious how those inaudible things happened right there at that per specific perfect time. Okay, let's continue. Right. The craft are perhaps misnamed in some instances. It would be more appropriate to consider them as weaponry. The energy used is that of the field of electromagnetic energy which polarizes the Earth's sphere. The weaponry is of two basic kinds, that which is called by your people's psychotronic and that which is called by your people's particle beam. The amount of destruction which is contained in this technology is considerable and the weapons have been used in many cases to alter weather patterns and to enhance the vibratory change which engulfs your planet at this time. Now, I have to point out that a few years ago, after I did this for the first time, I was contacted by um, a personnel in the, in the uh, Air Force and in the CIA. And I was given, and I, and I uh, broadcasted it, I don't have it anymore because it was an email, so it wasn't a hard copy, but it was, uh, but it was an email, and it was the, a flight manual that all it was for eyes only uh that people got this was at the same time that i got the um off-world personnel before uh this was that back in 2016 or 2017 um when i got that then when i got the email with the with the um, um flight manual that was in 2019 i believe so or 2018 it was before uh the orange guy was the was potus before he uh then enacted the uh, space program or the space force and i saw um i saw designations for people that were off-world personnel and uh payment uh checks that they were getting paid for uh off-world um, uh work that they were doing that was not uh, in space they were not they were not uh, astronauts uh that were flying around the space shuttle or on the orbiter uh or any of the space stations that are up in space Yet there was a designation. So I wanted to point out because we had a conversation in Ancient Aliens Worldwide about possible propulsion uh, for um, space travel and spacecraft. And one of the very first things that I uh, hypothesized uh, was uh, that one of my theories has always been, um, uh, you know, electromagnetic wave. And here in 1984, right, this is in 1981. In 1981, Ross says the craft perhaps um, misnamed, right, the craft are perhaps misnamed in some instances. Now, that's, that's kind of telling in and of itself. It would be more appropriate to consider them weaponry because they were the drones. Uh, and just like we have on the planet, we have in space, there, we have a good drone force, right? The energy used of these fields uh, the energy used is that of the field of electromagnetic energy, uh, which polarizes the Earth's sphere. Now, I had, I, and you have to remember that physics was my major in college. I was going to be a nuclear physicist. And once I started realizing that whatever I would have come up with, the government would have tried to weaponize. And I was working because of string theory and, and, and relativity and a few other uh, um, factors. Uh, that Einstein and a few other people uh, had uh, talked about and worked on in the 40s and 50s, including uh, von Braun and uh, Oppenheimer and a few other people uh, that had to do with them weaponizing uh, the, uh, you know, the H-bomb and the, you know, the nukes and the and thermonuclear and the hydrogen and, 
and that sort of thing. I knew that they weren't going to use that as propulsion because it was very unstable at the time. It still kind of is. And you have to worry about radioactivity, even though they use it. Um, you have to worry about it a little bit more. It was easier once uh, the French started using uh, electricity for their monorails. And, and, you know, in fact, the Bay Area Rapid Transit, what we call BART here in the San Francisco Bay Area, is run on electricity. Um, and then they have the ones that are now uh, run on magnets, right? And I suggested back then, when I was unaware that this was something that they were using as a propulsion at the time, I was suggesting com combining the two, magnetism and electro, uh, elect you know, electricity into electromagnetic waveforms uh, because the actual um, gravitational pull of all planets is electromagnetic. It's not just electricity. It's not just magnetic. It is, in fact, electromagnetic. And I, uh, and I was one of the people that were working on the the possibility of uh, anti gravity because of using anti uh, using electromagnetic waveform being able to match the Earth's gravitational pull and then slightly push yourself away from it with the you know with the charging the the magnets uh, into a electromagnetic waveform and literally like a magnet when you have a polarized magnet positive and negative shoving each other away from one another to keep the inertia going and lock the the um, energy i know a lot of you probably don't want to hear this because this is all science this is all uh, physics uh there was a there was a guy and i'm not going to get too far into that but i will say that he was the guy that uh, that um, designed the um, Coral Castle. If you know who that is, then you know who I'm talking about. And he was able to close the circuit or open the circuit. In electricity, when you say it's a closed circuit and open circuit, uh, it's backwards from, from what it is. But he was able to complete the circuit and, uh, and keep electricity, the magnetic portion of electricity, um, moving in a steady, uh, pay, steady uh, uh, infinite cycle. So once you started it, that's what these engines are uh, based on. And uh, in the, the engines are out there. People have made them. If you've watched Above Majestic, there was a guy who they didn't make a lot of fanfare about. And he was sort of an unassuming little man, a little bit pudgy. And he said he created a, an engine. What he was talking about was an electromagnetic waveform engine. And he said, uh, you guys can have it, but don't turn it on until I'm dead because he knows that what I know and what most people in the industry, in fact, um, what's his name, Dr. Stephen Greer also, he did a se a several series about this and talked to people and, and, and actually said to people around the world, if you guys build this, we'll turn it on for you because they were, because the government it may, it has a very distinct signature that you can scan for and if somebody turns one on, the electromagnetic waveform pulses at a at a steady uh, a cyclical rate, at a certain frequency that they are are actually literally scanning the world for at all times for for anyone who is utilizing that form of propulsion without the permission of the cabal. And if they find out you're doing it, they come and they take it from you. And if you don't shut up, they kill you. Okay, so. I had had I had put together a theory uh, early on about a perpetual uh, engine that once you started it, which would only take a little bit of electricity, it would run itself, and you would never it would never end. It was a it was perpetuated. Uh, um, uh, what's his name? Um, 
Oh Lord, I can't think of his name right now. Um, he was on to it as well. And, and give me a second because I was going on UFO space stuff, and now I'm back onto science, and I'm and I'm forgetting his name. Nikola Tesla, uh, his theories uh, combined with relativity, combined with uh, them not knowing what gravity is, and and I put this on my images in the beginning where I show you the, a brain cell. And I show you the penny. Welcome. Um, I, I show you a brain cell, uh, a radial image of a brain cell, and then a radial image of the universe. And you see the pathways that electricity uh, travels on, and that's our thought pattern that travels uh, on between the ganglia or glia cells. Uh, the the glia cells are uh, what give us our intelligence. The more glia cells you have like Einstein had like 300% more glia cells than anyone else. That means the, the neurons fire upon, along these pathways and the glia cells act as, uh, as enhancers to continue the cycle. And if you have enough glia cells, then your memory is really, really good and your intelligence is really good because it doesn't fade. So over time, your memory is uh, is outstanding. And I know that I have, I don't know if I have 300% more glia cells than most people, but I know that I have uh, a, a lot more than normal people. That's why my brain works so fast and I have such a great memory uh, because of that. That's why I can literally learn 20 languages when you know, most people, the average person, they tell you learn one at a time because they will confuse you. They don't confuse me at all because I recognize that there's only a few languages that are completely different from all of the other languages that are on the planet. Not a joke, okay? Uh, and, uh, and and that's not very, you know, like if the, all the European languages are all dialects from the same language. They all say almost the same thing, just slightly different, right? The Latin languages are the same way, right? Portuguese is a combination of Italian, Latin, and Spanish, Castilian, right? That's not a joke. Uh, English, what we speak, is a combination of Svenska, Castilian, Latin, Italian, uh, and um, and uh, that's it. And that's it. Even French, right, is is also the same way. They just say it different. It's a it's just a dialect. For instance, and then I'll get back to what we're talking about here. But for instance, uh, the the let's go with the Greek word for the word lion. We get it's Leo. Okay, and the reason that we have the word lion is because the French say the word Leo, Lyon, and it's spelled with the uh, O-I-N. And so because of that, it morphed into English as Lion from Lyon, which is the way the French say the word Leo. Do you understand? So the French, with a different dialect from the Greek, use the Greek word, and they say it differently, so they say Lyon. And they spell it differently. So when people uh, see it, English, old English, it was closer. So it was Lyon, right? With Lyon. And then it became lion, right? We say lion, right? That's uh, I use that as an example because my name is Leonard, which is L-E-O, Leo. Uh, Leonard, which is old uh, German, which means lion heart. It's the same as saying Leonidas. Leonidas in Greek is lion heart. And, Le and, Le and Leonardo in all Latin languages, like Leonardo DiCaprio, is Lionheart. So my name, if you're French or uh, or Latin, is Leonardo. And if but if you're German or uh, uh, anything European, it's Leonard. Or you know Russians are Lenit, right? So in Lenin, these are all uh, variations of the same word. So 
I get that, right? So, and most people don't, and they get confused. Just like, uh, you know, kartoffel. Kartoffel in four languages is potato, right? And then in English, we say potato, right? There's a potato-potato thing, right? And then it's batata in, in uh, um, Portuguese. So, but it's almost identical. It's just a dialect. So you have to realize that science is the same as that. Okay. So, uh, so the, so what I, where I could track, this is where I'm going with all this, where, where I could track as a linguist, I can track languages and, and to a base root. You can do the same thing in uh, science with everything. And um, they do that with the signature for this engine. And here in 1981, they had that technology and, and we went forward with that. And in that um, manual that I had listed as, that I got from the CIA, listed as um, hypothetical uh, 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 engines uh, were, were showing uh, far beyond electromagnetic because the electromagnetic is what they used up until the 80s. By the time they got into the 90s and the 2000s, they were beyond that, and I'm not going to get involved in that because that's not what we're here to talk about today. Uh, but you could go back on one of my shows, and I got really in-depth into uh, the different motors. And to back that up, I talked about it at that time, and with a, uh, a psychic who was able to um, speak to her guides as if we're speaking right now, if you were talking to me, uh, and ask questions and get answers, uh, and I had had a theory that a lot of people were trying to steal, by the way, about crop circles. And my, and my theory about crop circles was that it was not, in fact, um, alien spaceships at all, right? And then if you talk to us, some people, they was all of them were fake, but they're not all faked. Um, a lot of them are, but some of them are, in fact, um, the, the imprint from the spaceship itself, like a lot of people say, but it's not the ones that are like super geometric. The ones that are super geometric were either designed by humans or these are what uh, are happening because of the electromagnetic waveform that happens in the earth naturally. This is how uh, I, uh, these people got onto this. Einstein, this is how Tesla got onto this, is that there is, and, and we, I was a part of a study and I, and I even showed the video one time, I don't have it anymore. You'd have to go online and find it. But if you take um, um, radio waves, right, electronic waves, and you and you put a speaker laying down on the ground with the speaker facing upward, and you put a plate on it, and then you take salt because it's crystalline. You take salt, and it's white, so you can see it on the, on the plate. You make a plate black or a different color so the white stands out. And then when you tune the electronics, the sound waves. When it hits a certain frequency that we know is a frequency, right, that it is that, you know, a certain megahertz, the sand becomes uh, moving and it vibrates anyways from the sound. But all of a sudden, the sand spontaneously changes position and it turns into a geometric shape, perfectly geometric and, in fact, very beautiful in, in these very complex shapes. And that is because the, the crystalline uh, structure of the, of the salt itself, of the sodium, becomes uh, in tune with the sound. And that sound's vibration in the three-dimensional, the third dimension, plays out into a structure that is visually uh, able for us to see. 
and uh, discern the difference as a signature from any other uh, uh, megahertz. So all megahertz uh, uh, keynotes have their own visual um, property that represents, just like you would with a mathematical equation, the number one through nine, right, uh, or, or whatever. So, so because of that, you have to understand I'm, I'm explaining to you guys like way in-depth theory. Because of that, you know that when you tune the crystalline structure to the gravitational pull of the Earth, it has a signature. If you can match that signature and then change it to where it's repelling, right, the octave is higher or lower or, or slightly side to side that repels that exact uh, 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 signature, you can then levitate off the ground. That was a theory that we had back in the 80s, and it was, in fact, true. Okay, so the propulsion systems uh, have advanced beyond that through plasma uh, and on on past that to um, perpetual energy uh, that um, they kind of um, touched on in Hunt for Red October with the in, with the engine that they were using in the submarine, which was real, by the way, uh, w that would take in water and push it through the submarine itself and out the back of the submarine so there was no sound, no screws, right? No, no vibration and no propeller. Uh, and it was just water moving, which happens ebbs and flows anyways. The same thing is possible in space by utilizing those pathways and the energy that's in space. This is stuff that I knew and that I was working on. It's why the U.S. government uh, was trying to recruit me until I was, uh, well, they, they still every now and then try to recruit me. But they were hard-pressed from the time I was, but uh, from the time I was nine until I was 27, and by that time when I had left college and told them all to kiss my ass, um, they still tried to recruit me but wasn't as, as readily. I didn't have Air Force colonels and captains coming in, around and bothering me anymore. They just started um, uh, data mining every, everything that I did. So my entire life has been on stage because of that and who I am and my DNA and all of that anyways. So I've had psychics tell me, like even now, I'm being monitored. Somebody listening to this broadcast right now is off-world, and then there's people within two different agencies or three uh, in the federal government just of the United States alone that listen to everything that I say and everything that I do because of what I know. Okay. Well, yes, uh, here on Earth. So the, all of that comes into play. Uh, Casey said, for those of you who might be listening on the MP3 broadcast, you don't see what her question is. She said, don't they also find most of them on ley lines too? Yes. Yes. Uh, the, the energy of the planet itself, and especially the ley lines, uh, which already were, a lot of them were marked by different places like Stonehenge and the other hinges, hinges uh, and because people all around the earth forever have understood that and they know about that stuff, right? Yeah, I, I do know, Penny, yes. Penny says, you, you know that they do listen? Yes, I have verification that I'm being monitored. Everything I, oh, I do. If I'm on the internet, if I uh, send a text, if I send an email, if I go onto a website and post something, everything that I do. But you also have to remember that I also worked for the Irish Republican Army. So that's a secret service for the Irish government, freeing the Irish government. And uh, in doing so, was also setting up and working for world coalitions. That's why I came back to this planet. That's why I was born uh, on this planet was to do what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm not afraid 
uh, of them to say that out loud. There was a time in my life when I was afraid to say that out loud, probably until about 10 years ago. After that, they can't stop us anymore. And they can't, they try. They've tried to kill me in the last 10 years. They've tried to kill me four or five times. Not a joke. I always thought that it was just bullshit. And it turns out other people, psychics are telling me, you know, you're under attack. You're trying, they're trying to assassinate you. And the same thing with Carla, which is happening and happened to Carla the entire time that they were channeling raw. They were trying to kill her. Right. So I'm aware of that. I'm aware that the, the I've worked for the federal government of the United States, the English government and the Irish government in in concert uh, to broker the freedom of Ireland. Uh, at the time, I was one of the people I set up most of the web uh, uh, propaganda for the IRA working for and a member of Sinn Féin, the political party, and working in the, uh, in, the in the military wing, which was the Irish Republican Army, which at the time we had to be uh, undercover because they were uh, considered terrorists. Once the government was formed and, and Ireland was uh, recognized as a free and sovereign nation, then all of us became patriots and all of us just became members of, uh, of their uh, version of the CIA. So then they, we were untouchable because then we were sovereign and not considered terrorists anymore. So the English government, the American government, uh, then hired the IRA. We talk about this. Peter will tell you this. Peter Coyle is in the audience. He knows what I'm talking about. Um, and uh, the, they hired the IRA to, to and had been already, uh, the IRA was training. Every single terrorist organization you've ever heard of in your entire life was trained by the Irish Republican Army, uh, paid for by the English government and the United States government. Capals uh, backing those governments. So there is not a terrorist organization that's out there that was not trained by, and why is that? Because the Irish Republican Army is to this day the only terrorist organization listed as a terrorist organization on the history of the planet that was never, ever caught, undone, and dismantled. The only one in existence. Still is. And no one has ever infiltrated it. No one has ever uh, gotten their, uh, you know, gotten spies inside uh, the, the organization. And they've never unraveled the organization. The only time that happened was when people like me, when there was a splinter organizations that happened back after the Easter uprising. Uh, there was a splinter organizations. If you guys see the movie Michael Collins, you see that happening with De Valera. De Valera wanted to keep fighting. Michael Collins was trying to broker peace to get uh, people to vote after the Easter uprising uh, back in, was that 1912, when the English government almost fell because they ran out of money and no one knew it. And the Irish, if they would have not brokered peace within a week, would be in charge of the United Kingdom right now. They didn't know that. If, if the Irish knew that at the time, uh, they would have continued fighting and the English government would have surrendered to them. That's the truth. You can look that up. You can watch that movie uh, with Liam Neeson uh, playing Michael Collins. So there was that, and they had to go and kill De Valera because he was trying to kill Michael Collins because Michael Collins brokered peace. Uh, the same thing happened in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. You had two other splinter factions that came off of the IRA that wanted to continue fighting. And at the time, uh, Bill Clinton was helping us broker the, the peace for Ireland at the time. Now, why is that important? Because uh, the members... Uh, of those organizations were not just working for uh, Ireland, but uh, in the coalitions for the planet itself. Once that uh, was taken care of, which was very important, and you guys don't know the reason why that was as important as it was to the to the planet, but it had a lot of lot to do with morale around the world as much as anything else, like America becoming free when they did. 
change the course of the rest of the world. Ireland becoming free and people think it's just this little teeny island nation that has nothing to do with anything. And Ireland has always been that way, but Ireland uh, actually saved this world. So I'm not going to get involved in that. You guys can look up the book, How Ireland Saved the World. And you can read that and read the, the invasion of Ireland, the gods of Ireland, read those books. Uh, and you can get some uh, idea of uh, the history of why that's become important, an important hub for the European uh, peoples. Um, and then uh, ask yourself, why is it that the Irish language, which the Irish and the Scottish are the only ones that speak in the Welsh, that is completely different than any other language on this planet? Right. So let's go back on on point here to this. So the I understand what he's talking about here and the weaponry. Let's get onto that and then we'll continue so we don't stay off too long. See, Peter's going to keep me off. <laughs> right. Yeah. Penny says, right, because, you know, Penny, you know a lot, too. Right. I, I, I'm forgetting who I'm talking to. Penny says we all we have all known these things. We shouldn't. That's why we learn and, and search for the truth. Oh, yes, we do. Um, but uh, Peter's going to keep me going, so I'm going to be careful there because Peter will—he's already starting to to throw stuff if I run down that right. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Uh, Devil, uh, Devil Era was actually an American. Devil Era. I'll give you a little piece of history. Peter just said it in the chat. Uh, Devil Era was actually uh, he was a, he was a traitor. Uh, did the Irish he, the the Irish Free State? He was he was a traitor to the Irish Free State. But he was the first president of Ireland at the time. He was actually born in New York. He was a New York citizen, American Irish. He was American born Irish and he went to Ireland to help free Ireland, but he was a traitor. In the end, he was, he uh, turned, he, he tried to make Michael Collins uh, uh, look stupid by going to broker the peace because he knew that the North was going to vote to stay in the, the uh, UK. And he didn't want to look bad, but he wanted to continue fighting. And then he tried to kill Michael Collins and eventually Michael Collins had to shoot him. They had to kill De Valera to stop him from, uh, he was trying to continue the open war and that needed to stop. So he became a menace. He was actually a traitor and the Irish people see that. Uh, Peter's telling you the story right there. So I figured those of you who are reading that were like, why didn't Leo cover that? And those of you on the MP3 uh, broadcast, you can't see that anyways. Um, but yeah, he, he did. And that happened again when the IRA uh, splintered in the 90s. And they, they tried to get, the, the FBI was working uh, to try and figure out who they were in Ireland. And, and they, were, they got a hold of the information of the FBI agents. And they were trying to send it back to the United States to call for people in the United States who were uh, loyalists uh, and sympathizers to the IRA to murder the FBI's family. So I took that information that I was given because they didn't know who I was. They knew that I was IRA, but they thought I was on their side. They gave me that information. I went back to Sinn Féin and told them I had that information and that this is what was happening and we could utilize this to uh, to show a good show of faith and we would have to sacrifice these people. And I'm sure there's some of them out there that are probably pissed off if they hear this and probably want to target me, but screw you, you guys bring it, right? You guys can, you guys can try, they've tried. And um, anyway, so I went to those guys and um, that was given to the United States government and then an undercover operation, sting operation happened and I was a part of that and uh, enticing these guys. And then the whole entire organization was taken down. Some were killed and, and most of them were rounded up and put in prison um, for doing that. Same thing uh, that happened, the same scenario that happened with De Valera. They wanted to continue fighting at all costs and they, they couldn't see the way to the, to, to the future through peace. 
uh, warmongers are that way. They're power hungry and they get into positions and then they don't want to give up that power and they want to continue fighting. And sometimes those people need to be sacrificed. And that's what happened uh, uh, there at that time. So I was a part of that, um, setting them up because they thought that I was a loyalist to continue fighting. And I was not. I was, in fact, working for Shen Fen um, because my cousin was literally the right hand man to the president at the time. Okay. So, uh, but, but no one knew that because I was operating under two different aliases. So nobody knew that I was actually related to the heads of Shen Fen. Okay. Um, and in fact, that's the first time I'm saying that publicly, <laughs> right? So, but it's the truth. Okay. So, um, so all of that has to do with the world coalitions and, and, there's a lot of guys out there. People don't realize I, it's all of this. I said to you because I'm trying to um, I'm trying to, to show you these coalitions are not made up of just some schmoes, uh, you know, that just some guy. I'm not just some guy. And Peter's not just some guy. And all of the people that are in these coalitions that are worldwide are, in fact, scientists and and secret operatives and people that are x this and x that and some people are still in these organizations if you read my book uh, ancient alien ancient aliens uh orion rising i should say if you read my book orion rising which was based on ancient aliens which is actually a true story but all the names are changed uh and the places are in fact um realistic uh and the scenarios are in fact realistic do you you kind of get a glimpse uh, into and it's not just in that and that's where you, I didn't really spell it out for you in that first book it was going to be very apparent in the second book but um, most of the people in that book that were the, the militant people that were in the resistance were not in fact from this planet some were uh, but I would say probably out of all the characters that you read about in that book uh, at the time, other than the uh, two brothers who are the stars of the of the book that are in the resistance, uh, probably 70 percent of every other person uh, that you read about or that has any speaking lines in that uh, book at all are, in fact, off world personnel, not from this planet. OK, not from this planet. And that is happening in real life. And that is, has been happening in real. And I don't mean people like me that were born here. I'm born legally. I came to this planet, was born in this human body on this planet and had to remember who I am and remember what's going on. I'm talking about people who were physically born on another planet, who are physically in a coalition in the military, who have physically came down to this planet, who are in fact human, who look just like us and have the exact same physiology that we do. They're just from a different third dimensional planet in another galaxy or another solar system in this galaxy. Okay. And so not just are there people on this planet that are wanderers who were born like me in a body uh, that, that was born naturally on this planet that came from a higher vibration. But there are people that are in third dimension who have come from another planet because they, you have to remember there were 23 total solar systems that were invaded and taken over and out of those 23 all but three are, are are to this day and i believe that it's now down to two are freed so the military that were fighting physically uh that were on these other uh planets once the mop-up was done they're leaving contingents back to uh, keep the planets and the solar systems free and all other forces are helping to fight the 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 
the fight that Raw was talking about and warning us about the reason why this planet is stuck. So you have to realize that you have on-world and off-world personnel fighting on both sides that are three-dimensional soldiers from uh, from both sides of the coalition that are currently on, in, above, and around this planet. Not to mention the souls who have come through as wanderers and those few that came through as walk-ins. Okay, So you have to realize that. That's where I'm going with all of this information. And I'm trying to show you guys that these coalitions are not just some backwoods hillbillies that say, yeah, man, I'm in a coalition. And we're kicking ass on this here nastiness all around the world. These people are, in fact, embedded and very, very smart. In fact, smarter and more intelligent than the people who are trying to corrupt the world. And, they, you know, these people have to hire people that can create we talked about this before. If you're in service to yourself, you have no creative ability. You cannot create. They, they try, but everything they create is motivated by service to self, not service to others. Therefore, the actual creation is guilt or is, in fact, greed. And that is never something that anyone's going to buy into. So it doesn't last long. So everything that anyone who is evil creates does not last very long because they can't, in fact, create something that other people are going to buy into because as soon as people start to get a, a little bit of a smell of it, they go, "This the whole thing stinks of, of greed and stinks of, of uh, service to self. And that is the truth, and that's why it pisses them off. So they have to try and re recruit guys like me before we wake up enough to understand who we are or remember who we are. And that's who they get to do the work. That's why I said to you that we are the dwarfs under the mountain. Okay. In, in the in the Viking mythology, they made the dwarves under the mountain make the weapons. We are the dwarves under the mountain that they have made us make weapons. The human people on this planet are the slaves who have been building the weaponry and giving it to the, the what, doesn't matter what you call them, whatever you know them as. They are the crusaders that came from Orion, the people, the entire army, military personnel that are billions of people across the uh, the. Uh, this entire um, uh, galaxy that we're in and uh, they're a military force and they're not just the only one, but they're the largest one that have been scooping up everything and they're operating in this solar system and currently in this area of our universe and they're getting their asses kicked by forces who are far better and far more talented than they are because we have the ability to create. Okay. And this is what we're referring to here on the other side the the drones uh, or what uh, Ra's talking about here, right? And so you have to realize that he's asking these questions. This is where it scares Don, and he doesn't really get into a lot of details here, and that's why I'm pausing and giving you guys far more details because Don had no knowledge of any of this because he was, in fact, not uh, recruited by the federal government. He was not privy to any of this information. I have been privy to most of this information most of my life because of what I have been raised to do, okay? So, and I know a lot of people are going to go, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. And you're, you're just making this up. I'm not anybody else. And look at Peter. I mean, Peter's corroborating. He knows, he knows me. And it's not like we got together and said, Hey, let's pull off this farce. Cause I'm not making any money off of this. I'm not getting famous by telling you guys this stuff. So, uh, you know, if I were trying to do that just for fame or money, then you might want to, I might tend to believe, you know, you too. I don't know. That guy's all about making money. Seems like that's all he's trying to do with this knowledge. That's not what I'm here to do. Okay. Let's continue.
8.8 Questioner. How have they been able to keep this a secret? Why aren't these craft in use for transport? R.A. The governments of each of your societal division illusions desire to refrain from publicity so that the surprise may be retained in case of hostile action from what your peoples call enemies. And then it's freezing. See, I've been I've been pausing it too long. Let me see if we can get it to coax it to go along. Otherwise, I'm going to have to read it. Let's see. Yeah, hold on. I'm going to try and stop it and then start it again. 8.9 Questioner. How many of these craft does the United States have? R.A. I am R.A. The United States has 573, 573, 573 at this time. They are in the process of adding to this number. Okay, so in 1981, the U.S. government had 573 spacecraft capable of warfare. Do you understand that? In 1981, the U.S. government had 573 spacecraft capable of interstellar warfare. Just trying to make sure that you understood what exactly was just said. 8.10 Questioner. What is the maximum speed of one of these craft? R.A. I am R.A. The maximum speed of these craft is equal to the Earth energy squared. This field varies. The limit is approximately one half the light speed, as you would call it. This is due to imperfections in design. Now, th this has to do, oops, I ripped off the little um, buffer here. Now, this has to do with uh, un, un pentium. Right, but I want to say that you know um, the Earth, the energy, the the speed, the maximum speed of these craft is equal to the Earth's energy squared. Right now, we know that E equals mc squared, meaning uh, escape velocity equals uh, gravitational pull squared. But that's that's kind of what he's referring to here, but on a uh, on a grander scale, not just leaving the atmosphere, but the actual Earth energy itself. Okay. So, so that is something that is hard to explain because it's relative and it's exponential, right? So even for Ra to explain that in our terms, for us to understand it, even with my physics background, it's hard for me to explain to you that the potential of energy that it, that it is, okay? But then, okay, the, so the field varies. So this is important. The field varies. The limit is approximately one-half the, the light speed. One-half the speed of light, and the speed of light is what? Right, 386,000 meters per second per second. So one-half the speed of light, as you would call it, see, because there's, there's I don't even want to get involved in trying to explain that right now. Um, this is due to imperfections in design. The reason there's imperfections in design, you have to realize this was in 1981, Bob Lazar, came out in 1984 i believe or 85 and was saying that he used to work that he worked for the federal government and that he was working on a propulsion system and he was working on perpetual energy and he was using a particle called un un pentium and they said he was crazy and they didn't know what he was talking about and he was a lunatic and he didn't exist and all of his credentials were fake in fact they couldn't find him anywhere on the planet because they erased his existence on the earth uh, when they everywhere he went for college for high school for every school uh, all of a sudden his records were no longer there and he didn't exist and he didn't have a bank account 
He didn't have anything. He was literally erased because he went live on. I was I actually saw him go live on television and talk about it at the time. Okay, so come forward in time to 2015, and all of a sudden a scientist discovered a new particle, and they said, "Oh, look!" and and it's called un un pentium. This is what is is what raw is referring to here by a, a problem with this design. Now the reason for that, and the reason I stopped here is because. Um, the, the scenario played out in Star Trek, if you watch the television series um, of Star Trek with uh, Scott Bayo playing the Captain Archer of the Enterprise, and it was called Enterprise, uh, they were the first ones to, uh, to uh, uh, harness warp. And in fact, uh, uh, Archer's father, or father or grandfather, father built the warp engine, and they were their warp signature was the one that was used in the movie. They talked about that where the where the Vulcans uh, saw the warp signature and knew that we had hit a certain plateau of uh, technology. Now that part, a warp engine, uh, would be the same as the the signature for this perpetual motion engine, but that is not uh, the actual truth to um, what it was that uh that um got the attention of people from another uh, place uh, that that technology was thermonuclear detonation in the testings on this earth of our nuclear weapons the reason for that is that the thermonuclear detonation when there is a detonation uh the energy that is released from that actually travels along those pathways that I was referring to. See, remember what I said? If you guys wait long enough, I can explain to you that what I'm talking about seems like I'm going off on a tangent, and it's not. It's actual, uh, and, and I'm very um, specific as to what I talk about, even though sometimes I sound like, because I talk so fast, that I'm rambling. Okay, so the pathways, and I showed you this and talked about it a few minutes ago, that uh, in the images in the beginning, those of you listening on the MP3 broadcast, you only hear the music, you don't see the images, the slideshow that goes along with that music that is very important, that is showing you physics and showing you uh, the mathematical equation of, of uh, phi or phi, not pi, the golden mean ratio, not 3.1415. Uh, but 1.0 uh, or 1.86 or whatever it is. I, I have it written down. I, I always forget it. Um, however, those pathways, the neural pathways of the brain cell, which mirror the, the pathways of the actual universe itself, which could be a very large intelligent brain cell, by the way, because they're identical, and that's what scares scientists. Those pathways that are the similar to, identical to the pathways in our brain cell that the glia uh, transmits on our thought wave uh, process, which goes in our brains through our uh, brain, uh, is the same that goes throughout the universe. And in thermonuclear detonation creates an energy wave form, which is an electromagnetic wave form, pulse, that's why it knocks out all everything that it has to do like an EMP because it's an electromagnetic uh, pulse that knocks out all electricity. It also travels along that pathway and that pathway is interconnected and Einstein was on to this. This is why I mentioned that uh, with the Einstein-Rosen bridge. I didn't, I didn't talk about that, but relativity because these pathways are uh, intertwined throughout the entire uh, everything of reality in the entire multiverse okay and 
through technology that that we were unaware of and that most people 98% of all humans on this planet are unaware of is that those pathways are those wormholes that people travel on that you see theoretically in like Stargate and a few other places and including all of the space movies where they go into what they call hyperspace where they travel through a wormhole going faster than uh, light and sound and they're traveling like uh, Frank Herbert uh, theorized in Dune, traveling without moving, the same in Star Trek, the same in all of those movies where they're utilizing this. Einstein's Rosenbridge, which is the theory of, of traveling from one place to another through a wormhole and then forward uh, to now with Stephen Hawking and traveling through black holes and the possibility that black holes are, in fact, the Rosenbridge that Einstein postulated these are the neural pathways of the universe itself and thermonuclear detonation travels along those pathways and that signature reaches other people in other destinations. So every time a nuclear detonation happens anywhere in the universe in a third dimensional uh, universe, that energy spreads out, not just in the third dimension, but uh, it, it spreads out in, the th in all dimensions. And they didn't realize that at the time, but Oppenheimer did. And they were concerned when they detonated the first thermonuclear detonation. This is not a joke. You can look this up, that it was going to cause a chain reaction and destroy the entire planet and possibly the unknown universe. So they understood and were on to what was at stake and what was going to happen. So they knew that this, you know, this waveform, this electromagnetic waveform was going to travel along these neuron pathways, only they didn't know that it was a neuron net. Okay, a neuropathways and neuronets are part of a mind, part of a brain cell, part of the structure of uh, of of knowledge and energy that's coherent. That's very very important to know. Okay, so because of that, other races in other parts of the of the universe, and especially this galaxy, uh, became aware that thermonuclear detonation happened on Earth, and they all showed up. That is what they were showing you in first contact with Star Trek, only they were utilizing the signature of a warp engine and saying that the warp engine did the same thing because it, in fact, would. So without the weapon itself traveling along those neural pathways, which is what all energies travel along in the universe. Okay, so when Ra talks about utilizing their thoughts and projecting themselves to earth what they're doing is traveling along this neural pathway the neural net the internet of the universe that which is the internet it's the same as what's in your mind in your brain cells they would travel along that oh, those pathways to the earth to get here instead of becoming here physically but coming here as a astral projection okay so when you detonate or or you use a, uh, a wormhole and you travel on these neural nets, that image gets transmitted to all over the universe so everyone knows who's up to what and where they are. Okay? So Penny's like, oh my God, somebody else that believes, right? So, thank you. Tamara says, heck yeah. She says, I'm here because you led me here. This stuff is, is super tantalizing. Thank you, Tamara. So 
so the, you have to realize when we detonated the nuclear weapon for the first time, there was an increase of alien influx to the earth because we have a technology and had the, the ability of that. The same thing happens when you uh, when you start an engine that runs and broadcasts on that neural net. And that is what the, the Einstein Rosenbridge or the wormholes or the hyperspace is that those theories that were from the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s were reality in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, okay? And I, and like I said, going back to that manual that I got from the CIA, that manual had these engines that broadcast and were able to travel uh, from you know, large distances through space without uh, time. And that becomes very important by uh, because otherwise it takes... Uh, you know, six months to go to Mars. Okay. Uh, and if you were going to go outside this, uh, this universe and go to the next universe, there's that void of space where you would have to have infinite amount of energy to travel. But the faster that you can get there without wasting a, a whole generation to get there, the better off that you are in 3D reality. So if you can travel along these wormholes, uh, open up a wormhole and find their destinations or be able to navigate to the place that you want to go to, then uh, once you get there, there's no time. It's instantaneous. That's tra like traveling without moving. Uh, and the way we explain it in the third dimension is folding space so that you literally space moves and you do not. And uh, they showed that in uh, one of the Star Trek movies, the newer ones that, uh, that uh, Chris Pine was in. Uh, playing um, uh, Kirk, uh, where they were trying to beam somebody from one ship to another while traveling at light speed, and uh, and uh, Spock came back from a alternate reality, alternate universe, came into this universe, and he went and showed Scotty how to do that because Scotty had already invented that in the future in his reality, and he said it never occurred to me that the space was the thing that was moving, not the ship. Okay, so. So it's and so what he was basically referring to was folding spacing and being able to transport somebody from one ship to another ship while they were moving at faster than the speed of light. Okay, and that was because space itself is moving because they were folding space. When you do so, you're not moving through space. You just appear to be by your perspective, but the truth is you're not. And that's why this is important. Uh, back in 1981, to know that this technology was there. And if it wasn't for my physics background, I wouldn't have any of this knowledge that I have that I'm giving you. And um, I literally destroyed, back in 1994, destroyed the plans that I had for a perpetual engine, electromagnetic waveform form perpetual engine, because I knew that if I left the plans laying around, that they would take it. And if I ever turned one on and built it, then they would um, you know, come and try and take it and, and kill me. Right. Um, there's guys that are that are around now. There's an old guy. I don't know if he's still alive. Uh, he was German, doesn't speak a lick of English. And um, the guy heats his house uh, with plates, <laughs> literally has two plates that have holes in them. And they're they have the exact right specifications in bevel and holes in the exact right places. And he has one plate upright, the other plate down, you know, facing downwards, so it makes like a little saucer. And when you put the two of those together and you set them down, it actually triggers uh, an electromagnetic waveform in the energy in the air, and it heats up the air and circulates the air and kicks air out from nowhere, from nothing, from the room. And um, 
gives heat friction. And he turns on three or four of those whenever it's cold. He, they, this guy was filming. It was on YouTube. And he walked in. It was snow outside in the winter. And he walked in the guy's house. And the guy literally just set one plate down on top of the other plate and told the guy, come over here and put your hands here. And he could feel the hot air circulating around. And he, he showed him. He lit, grabbed the hold of it with a, a potholder and lifted it off. And there was nothing on the inside. And he's testing them. And they were not magnetic in any way. It was the shape. Uh, and and how they were uh, beveled and how they had um, holes in specific places at specific angles. Uh, and uh, that guy was one of the biggest scientists on the face of the earth that helped um, during that whole thing when Oppenheimer was working. A lot of people didn't know who he was. And he was really old in his 90s at the time. And this was about 10 years ago, so he's probably dead now. Uh, but I watched every conversation that that man had. Uh, my German is good enough to where I was able to make sure they were translating it properly on the screen. And I listened to every word that he said because I understood what it was that he was trying to get across to everybody. I, and some of the instruments that he had in his house that he was not explaining, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe he has this sitting there on camera. Uh, this guy has no idea what that what that thing is that he's standing next to. Uh, it was pretty incredible. And this guy would, would just like, the yeah, perpetual engine. We don't need any of the stuff that we have. Everything that we have that you guys think is technology is, in fact, um, 800 years outdated compared to what we really have. Not a joke. Okay, so let's continue with uh, Raw giving us some secrets here, and I will try to give you the information that I can give you that is way more than Raw could possibly uh, give you in 1981 and, and 100 times more than, um, than Don um, actually knew even though he was a nuclear physicist. He only knew the things that they teach you. Like my, like my uh, nephew, uh, when he graduated from uh, college here in California. And during his graduation, my brother picked him up and said, now you can go to work for NASA and work on rockets. And he said, Dad, I fucking hate rockets. And he said, you just spent 10 years in college learning this technology and he said, yeah, I'd spent 10 years in college and uh, learning about a technology that's over 100 years outdated. He said, I want to know what the real technology is. I have theories and I've heard stories, so I know that there's a natural progression. And he said, you've been talking to your uncle too long, talking about me, because I look at the, you know, we went from covered wagon in 1895 to the moon by 1963 or 4. Okay. So if we went from covered wagon in 60 years to the moon, 60 years after that is, is 2012. We should have, our technology should have been exponentially greater or as identical to covered wagon to the moon, from to the moon to 2012, and then from 2012, another 10 years to 2022, okay? So we're looking at 70 years and in a time period of 60 years, we went from covered wagons with no technology, no light bulbs, nothing yet, or just light bulbs. We just had those, right? So our electricity was very, very limited. We had no other technology to smartphones and everything, and that's all we have. There's toys for people to play with. It's all we came up with, right? My smartphone right now, if I were to go back in, in time with my smartphone, I could, I could completely change the course of uh, human history. I could take control of, of every satellite in the 60s, and I could take control of every rocket that is trying to go to the moon and make them go to Mars if I wanted to. Make them do anything that I wanted to do. 
with when I was in school in the 90s with a, 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 a Texas instrument calculator, a Texas instrument calculator in the 90s, in the late 80s, early 90s, had the technology to take control of NASA's computers in the 1960s. But yet, all we could go forward with is, is home computers and smartphones and app applications, and that's all the technology that we have. That's a lie. Absolute 100% lie. Right? So, okay, so Tamara says, how does moving through space via mind pathways relate to folding space when traveling in craft? Ooh, that's a great question. If you think this question is relevant, I do. That's a great question, okay? Because it's the same thing, okay? This is, this is, what, this is what I'm trying to, to get across. And that's why I love your question because I wasn't specific enough for you to, to uh, in, my, in my analogy for you to realize. Okay, so traveling through space with your mind, projecting your mind along these neuro pathways from one place to another, we do it all the time. We call it astral projecting on this earth. We humans in third dimensional reality have the ability to do that. Okay, we can leave our bodies with our minds and be somewhere else. Now, when you're in a ship, and you're making the ship do the same thing, you don't realize it's not the engine that's doing it. Okay? it The motor that's in the engine is giving you the ability to tap in, but what's happening, and this is what no one realizes, is the true truth is that what's happening is the operator of the vessel, by their ability, is creating the reality that's happening and you're moving through there. Why is that? Why this is the most beautiful question, Tamara, that anybody has asked me to date so far. Why is that important? It's the same thing, right? Because that's what I was thinking. It's the same. Thank you for that. Why is that important? Why that is important and why I put that in my opening uh, video is because and I made a point to say earlier when I pointed out, if you look at the two pictures, the two images, they're side by side in the opening credits, uh, you know, opening uh, uh, music with all the visuals that are showing you the mathematical equations, the secrets to the universe are in that one minute and 19 second video that you see. And the most important uh, slide is the one that shows a image of the human brain cell and an image of the of the brain cell of, of this universe. Now, I referred to that on purpose as a brain cell because you have to realize this. And I said that, that it's very possible that this entire universe is one brain cell in a larger, coherent, benevolent thought process. Now, let's go back to the very beginning with Ra. And Ra said, imagine that you are a thought. Imagine that you are a thought that is dancing on a stage. Okay? So the reality of the universe is that we are the creator of the universe. We are existing right now, you, me, and everything that, is, that we think is real in this third dimensional reality is in fact in the mind 
of the creator of the entire universe. The entire universe is not a physical place outside the creator. It is, in fact, in the mind, in the neural pathways and neural net of the creation of the creator. We are, in fact, the creator. So we have the ability, when we were created as individuals, because we are a daydream, a thought in the mind of the creator, separated into separate entities, pretending that we are, in fact, individuals that we are not. We are, in fact, able to travel along these neural pathways because it is, in fact, our brain cell that this reality, this illusion, and you hear Ra just mentioned that in the beginning of this question or the beginning of the answer for this question of, of our illusion, that everything that we think is real is an illusion. Why is that? Because it is in the thought process of the neural net or the neural net thought process of the universal mindset, the universe itself. So why is it possible for someone to travel in a ship along these pathways? Because the people operating it are, in fact, the creator itself. We just don't know it and we think we're not. That's the trap. That's the trap of the mind. We are all just prisoners here of our own device. That is the trap of the mind is the trick is in the in the the uh, the forgetting that you are in fact the creator that you're only an individual and that you're separate and that you're just nothing and you're one little teeny thing and that you and with you died that nobody would ever notice and you have no ability and no power to do anything that's the trap that you're supposed to get out of by the realization that you're more than that and that you're not that okay so i know a lot of this is really yes the eagles denise yes i was quoting the eagles hotel california we are all just prisoners here of our own device okay yes tamra says yes that's the rub step out of self and into and into what a and into it and into the universe and into the thought process that it, that the infinite to understand infinity to understand the infinite wisdom the infinite creator is to understand yourself we are the microcosm to the macrocosm the secrets to the universe are inside of you inside of you not outside of you that's why we say you're not the you're the savior you're looking for there is no there is no savior that's going to come and save you because the savior already came you are the savior that is going to save you when you get tired of being stuck in this place when you get tired of being stuck here in this redundancy you will then have the dark night of the soul you will descend into your into your darkest moment your darkest place and become real with yourself this is what raw is teaching the same as the Di chi that is literally the book of the way that was invented in the theory that we came the Tao Di Chi was invented at the exact same time in the exact same country in China in in the year between uh, 831 and 841 AD no I'm sorry BCE or BC 
depending on whether you're Christian or, or uh, non-denominational. If you're Christian, it's before Christ. If you're non-denominational, it's, it's before common era. And that was the same time that the Buddha came up with the, with the ideology that became Buddhism, which both of those people didn't want their ideologies to become a religion, by the way. <laughs> In any way. Thank you, Denise. Denise said, because of Leo and, and Casey, I'm living my perfect self. Thank you both. Uh, well, we, we thank you because without your wisdom, I wouldn't have learned the things that I've learned from you. So that's why we call it learn, teach, teach, learning. Okay, so Tamara says, you're putting language to what I want you to convey to other. It's from the inside. Yes. Okay, and this is why I'm here to interpret again for the second time what Ra was trying to teach us. Because there's so much that is in what Ra is saying. And right here, I'm just, I'm showing you the examples in reality to back up what Ra is stating. This is actual real theory. Everything that Ra has just said about these drones, about these spacecraft that the Americans had in 1981, is actual known fact is actual uh, real theory that Don could not have known about. Well, he could have because I was postulating it at the time, right? I was uh, uh, in my teens. I was, in, in fact, it was 1981, so I was in my late teens. I was in college. I was born in 67, so in 87, I would have been 30, right? Is that right? 60, 70, 80? No, I was 20. So so in 81, I was, I was uh, uh, doing college work because I was way ahead of my time. I was doing college work, and, I, and, and so in 77, I would have been 10, so 8, 9, 10, 11, right? And so I, was, I would have been, what, was that, 13, 14 years old? At that time, I was already doing calculus, <laughs> right? So my theory didn't actually start until probably a few years after Ra had channeled this through Carla, right? Um, but I was unaware of this. I didn't know any of this until uh, 2015, 2016. 2016 or 2017, when I first read the Law of One, I went, wow, uh, because I'd already had a theory, and it was called The Way, not knowing that there was the Tao Te Ching, which was the book of The Way. All right. Okay, so let's continue with and get back to uh, what Ra is talking about here, okay? Eight point one one questioner. Wouldn't this type of crap totally solve or come close to solving a lot of the energy problems as far as transport goes that we're used to transporting inaudible transporting inaudible ra i am ra the technology your peoples possess at this time is capable of resolving each and every limitation which plagues your social memory complex at this present nexus of experience however the concerns of some of your beings with distortions towards what you would call powerful energy cause these solutions to be withheld until the solutions are so needed that those with the distortion can then become further distorted in the direction of power. Do you understand that? So the technology that your peoples possesses at this time, 1981, is capable of resolving each and every limitation which plagues your social memory complex at this present nexus of experience. So literally, we had the technology in 1981 to get to do away with famine, to do away with energy conservation. So literally, the the uh, the internal combustion engine and all the fuel sources that we had, all energy free energy was we had the capability in 1981 
And that would that would say we had unlimited energy, unlimited resources, unlimited ability to make food, unlimited ability for everything that you can imagine. However, the concerns of some of the beings with distortions towards what you would call powerful energy cause this solutions to be withheld until the solutions are so needed that those with the distortion can then become further distorted in the direction of power. So they literally are and have been limiting and keeping access to this uh, these abilities for themselves, for money purposes, for power. Because technology is the currency of the realm. Okay? Technology and favors are the currency of the universe, not money. Because you can go out and find that anywhere. And in societies, and this is where we, we touched on when, uh, when I did on Orion Rising, when I did uh, the uh, uh, interview from Roswell, New Mexico, with the alien that didn't exist, that didn't crash during Roswell, and that didn't communicate with that nurse that didn't exist and didn't work for the uh, federal government in the military at Roswell on the military base as a nurse, in Roswell, that none of that happened, and the CIA and the, the NSA and the military of the United States didn't have anything to do with, and that uh, and this woman who uh, eventually gave this information over to and leaked out to the world, and I got copies of it, and I played it for you, and discussed the uh, interviews with this alien Errol, a female gray alien who was, in fact, energy who was projecting her mind into a drone, which was what she called a doll body, which was literally a drone that was a, a gray alien that she was controlling from a control booth some place out in our solar system at a military base. Okay. So, yeah, Casey says, so they're waiting for, for waiting to drain Gaia dry before they bring this, any solutions, absolutely. Okay, that's no joke. So they're waiting until uh, all of the oil of the, that's why they don't want to do any fracking and oil drilling in the United States, because the oil barons have been draining the oil from everyone else around the planet, and they're keeping the oil in the United States because they know that the oil around the planet, the oil in the Middle East isn't going to last, and, and, and it's going to be gone in less than 50 years. This has been uh, a truism that uh, you guys don't know about, that in, say, 1981, uh, 50 years from 1981, there's not going to be any more oil in the Middle East anywhere. All of those people are going to have to make their money now, and all of that oil is going to be sucked out, and it's going to be used, and then the oil in Venezuela will last uh, probably about another 50 years from now, if that, uh, and uh, most of the oil of the planet is going to be gone at that point, because right now, the United States of America is the most oil-rich continent on the Earth. Okay, so the most powerful nation on the planet will be those people in charge of the United States of America. And it's being done and has been being done for more than you, you said for at least 81 years uh, for more than that. Going back to the turn of the century, you have to remember that the Rockefellers um, got rich off of oil and they were oil barons in the 1900s, 1900, 1890s. Okay. In the 1890s and prior to that, they were already robbing the world of oil, and none of it came from the United States. It started out, they were they were doing a lot of it in Texas, and then once they realized that it was overseas, they started these companies and, and started uh, owning the companies that were drilling there and put these people in power. 
the Saudi princes and king that is in charge right now was put in there just like the Kuwaiti king was and the Iranian and the, and the Iraqis. All of those people who were propped up in power were propped up in power by power brokers by the cabal. And they answered to them. And when they got out of control, like Muammar Gaddafi did and like a few others did, they would come after them and kill them, hunt them down and kill them and then take their uh, look at Libya and take their oil and put their own people in charge of the oil and make it look like it was uh, uh, people that because they would hire Bedouins from the desert and say, how would you like to be rich? And you you do this and you'll be the king, but we own you. Okay. And that's what they've done. And then if somebody didn't listen or the people didn't listen, they hired in the last 60 years, they hired the Irish Republican Army to train uh, these people to also scare the world into continuing to stay uh, 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 with the military presence that were there. So they hired their own military, their own brown shirts that were secret service uh, that, were, that were trained by them, by the CIA and, and the secret service from Ireland. Uh, in England, training these people to go and bomb people and blow up civilians so that they would have a war machine where people would pay money. This is the truth. I, I'm not going to go on this too long because my algorithm will hit the algorithm and I'll get kicked off the air. So, but this, you can look this up. This is all real. So they, they hired these people, trained these people to go and blow people up so that people would say, we need military here. And then the United Nations, which they own and operate, the United Nations was created by the, by the cabal itself. Okay, uh, by the the power brokers, by the bankers, by by all of these people that are in the cabal, that are the families that own that think they own the planet, the powers that should not be, and then they would send military troops over there to to what keep anyone who was a foreign country uh, away from their oil. Okay, but you were thinking they were keeping the the people locked down. Have you ever noticed inside the United States that when the Democrats are in power, there's no terrorist uh, acts? that happened in the United States, but when the Republicans get in charge, those people in the Republican Party that say we're no longer going to cater to terrorist organizations, all of a sudden terrorism starts up around the world again? Why is that? Different factions of the same cabal are also warring with each other. Evil people are constantly trying to take each other out all the time for power. Because each family wants to be in charge. They want to be in when the when the when the Kennedys got too powerful in the United States, the other families murdered them off to get the power back from them. It happens all the time. Abraham Lincoln became the president of the United States and he ran on being an abolitionist. The the power money that for that was in the South didn't like being treated by the power money that was in the North. And those people in the North held all the power and they said, You will not have slaves anymore. That was what they used for their workforce. So they went to war. And there was countries, England sided with the South, France sided with the South, Germany sided with the South. The North only had a couple of people on their side at that time. Think about that. There was a war that was going on. Look at World War I. World War I was started because one cousin that was between the Habsburgs and the Hohenzollerns, which became the, uh, the um, Red Shield, Rothschild, Red Shield, is one of the family members from the from the uh, Habsburgs and Hohenzollerns. One assassinated the cousin, and that started World War One. Look this up. Peter talks about it all the time. Peter Quill. Okay, so knowing the history, and this is why they don't want you to know history. Knowing the history of the planet, uh, gives you the key to knowing what's going on and why and who's doing what. If they take history away from you and make you uh, so enamored with apps and 
and distracted by everything that's on television. You have 400,000 channels on TV with nothing on, uh, on the internet the same way. They keep you distracted. You don't see what's going on, the sleight of hand that's going on right before your eyes. When they create something and uh, tell you that it's deadly and that it's murdering people, but yet, if it were that deadly, how come there were no stories of dead bodies from all the homeless people finding them in homeless camps all decimated from the coop? Why is it that you didn't hear stories of people going to look at grandma and grandpa and finding them dead in their in their houses? Why was there no stories of an entire apartment complex where people died because they all had it and no one knew it and they all, all of a sudden died? There was no stories of people being found in cars, dead, people driving down the road and dropping dead and crashing their cars, people, uh, uh, you know, Everyone died in the hospital. Think about that now. Seriously, think about that. If this thing was as deadly as they said, how come there wasn't people laying dead in the streets all across the United States and everywhere in the world? How come there wasn't stories of the cameras? Because you know they would have showed them to sensationalize it. Why weren't they going in? This just in. Over in L.A., we found an apartment complex with 27 people that died of COVID, and they were all locked in their houses, and they all died. Why was there no stories like that? Went to a homeless encampment and found 27 people dead. They all had they all had COVID. We had to burn the place because they had COVID. Where were all those stories? The only people who died from COVID were the ones who died in the hospital. Never heard a story about somebody dying outside of the hospital. And as it turned out, and if it was, it was very, very few. And far in between, and it was never televised. So if, if that many people were dying and it was that deadly and that urgent, why were there never any stories of, of mass death? Where's the mass death that should have happened? People drop dead from heart attacks and while you're eating dinner. Happens all the time. People see it all the time. You're driving down the road, some guy keels over with a heart attack. You're eating dinner, some guy has a heart attack. You're at a movie theater, some guy has a heart attack. This happens all over the place, all the time. Football, basketball, arenas, everybody, what happened? I don't know, the guy had a heart attack. Okay? If it was, in fact, the third leading cause of death in the United States for two and a half years, why did no one die outside of the hospital? Well, because they were able to rush them there on, on time. No, no, no. I'm not buying that. So a lot of people go, fuck you, I ain't going to the hospital. I'll die right here. And then they would. That happens with flu all the time. I came home and found grandma and she was dead. It turns out she had pneumonia. You hear about that? Those are stories that happen. No stories. All of them were, they were locked in, they were in the hospital, they were intubated, and they died. Think about that. Why is that? Why? And if COVID was only the third leading cause of death in the United States of America during that time, what were the other two? And why is it that we don't have a hard-pressed vaccine for those? Why is that? you got to ask yourself that question. I know what the other two are. Okay. And I know that COVID wasn't the third leading cause of death. It was just they, they inflated the numbers enough, and they didn't want it to make the number one reason because then everybody would go, then where were all the bodies? So if to tell you afterwards, five years later, three years later, oh, it was the third leading cause of death in the United States, you should take, get the shot and all the different uh, vaccines. Every time we have one new one, get it. If it's a pill, if it's a shot, get it. Because it'll keep you from getting it. You'll die if you don't get it. Really? That's weird because... Everybody who do, who gets it and says, oh, fuck you, I'm not going to the hospital, they survive. I don't know any story where somebody said they decided they weren't going to the hospital, and guess what? They found him dead two, two weeks later. There's no stories like that. Why? Okay, I'm going to stop talking like that, or I'm going to get knocked off the Internet. So the knowledge that they've been hiding from us, 
not only is that, but is the reason that we're stuck. Let's get right back on point here to understand why I went down that tangent. Okay, so the 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 course of action that caused, and so this is where um, I, I'm going to go further from what Casey said about the 81 years on oil. Casey, you're right. I would say about 100 years, 120 years, because it goes back to when they discovered oil and started using it on a mass scale for the railroad system because they got rich off of oil and the railroads and then eventually weapons and then making manufacturing uh, vehicles for the war machine, right? And then other stuff and then technology beyond that, rockets and missiles and, and planes and spaceships that we didn't know about. But there's, there's further back, okay, further back, the knowledge that I just threw at you in the last hour that we are, in fact, the creator and that we are, in fact, a part of everything, including the creation and the moment of creation, not just after the creation was created, that we go further back than that. Okay. That knowledge is knowledge that even Ra admits they gave to the Egyptians. And the same thing happened uh, that you hear right here in this this is why I stopped here and went on as long as I did so that I could get you to this point. Okay. So the information, however, the concerns of some of your beings with distortions towards what you would call power, right? Powerful energy caused these solutions to be withheld, keyword here, until the solutions are so needed that those with the distortion can then further distort in the direction of power. The same thing happened if you go back to the Egyptians and the knowledge of the law of one, which is the knowledge that you gained in the Garden of Eden by eating the fruit. You gained knowledge, not just the knowledge of good and evil, but the knowledge of why good and evil exists. What is the dance that is the good and evil and why is it happening is the knowledge that you learn, not just good and evil exist. Christians will tell you that. Devout Christians say, well, they, they learn the knowledge of good and evil. What does that entail? What does that mean? There's something beyond that, which was in that knowledge that you learned, was that you are a part of that knowledge. You are, in fact, you are, in fact, both sides of that spectrum, good and evil, depending on what you choose. Why? Because you have free will. Why? Because you created it. You, me, and everybody else created it for ourselves. And that was the knowledge that was given on this planet that evil people usurped, took control of, and kept from anyone knowing. That is how and why this particular planet became and is still stuck. This is what Raw is trying to teach you and tell you. And with this paragraph showing you on a technological level, which is why... I go back to the question, right? I go back to the question that was asked about the physical and the mental, right? Why that being so perfect? Because they are the same. Because the intention, this is 3, 6, and 9 again. This is Nikola Tesla. The intention of the people traveling in the ship is to do what? To go through the wormhole to get from one place to the other. Or on a physical level with a thermonuclear detonation, the intention of the person creating the bomb and detonating the bomb is to do what? Make an energy waveform so destructive that it 
that it destroys a large swath of the earth, uh, and they can use that for a destructive force to, to harbor that against other people and say, do my bidding, do what I tell you to do, or we will unleash this on you and murder your people, which the United States did to the Japanese, right, in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Hiroshima. Okay? So, and then on a physical level with machines, talking about these drones, these spaceships that the American government, 500 and, and however many there was, that the, the American government had at that time, which is exponentially, right, 40 years hence, 60 years hence, exponentially larger amount and probably manned now. Okay? In fact, is. Okay. Yeah, Peter's talking about the Chinese inventing the rocket and the guns with, with black powder, right? Who invented the guns? The Chinese. You can trace their weapons back to the 10th century. So they'd be the 900s. The 10th century decorated all their weapons with mass destruction, right? They, met, they had rockets. They had uh, hand grenades. They had missiles. They had guns. All of that stuff. They had all of that technology in the 900s, okay? A thousand years ago, 1,200 years ago. So if they had that technology 1,200 years ago, what's the evolution of the technology? We have no evolution. We just have, what, 9-millimeter bullets? It's the best we could come up with. We didn't change the technology at all. It's the exact same technology that they used in the, in, in, in the year 900. The difference is we made it in a cartridge instead of having to pour the the uh, and and that took us all the way into the into the 1500s, before we were in the 1600s before we were able to put a cartridge to it, right? Actually, it was this, yeah the, the 1700s before we made a cartridge out of it, because it was just the, it was fine the way it was working, but it wasn't fast enough. The Zulu invasion proved that, and once they did with the carbine, then that was then they were able to still the Zulu invasion. They still lost that, but my point was that the, uh, here in the United States, that was what won the West, okay? Conquered the world by using the technology of death, by the knowledge that they knew, the secrets that they knew, and creating different weapons, always weapons, never anything that they're creating to, they could, to create. Everything is for purposes of control, power, and money. That's because it's usurped by evil people. All right, let's continue here. Eight point one two questioner. At the same time, you mentioned that some of the landings were of our peoples. You also mentioned that some were of the Orion Group. We talked a little about the Orion Group, but why do the Orion Group land here? What is their purpose? Ra, I am Ra. Their purpose is conquest, unlike those of the Confederation who wait for the calling. The so-called Orion Group calls itself to conquest. Eight point one three questioner. Specifically. What do they do when they land? RA, there are two types of landings. In the first, entities among your peoples are taken on their craft and programmed for future use. There are two or three levels of programming. First, the level that will be discovered by those who do research. Second, a triggering program. Third, a second and most deep triggering program crystallizing the entity thereby rendering it lifeless and useful as a kind of beacon. This is a form of landing. Okay, so I want to refer to the third one 
first and then go forward from there, right? So the the re, the reason the beacon is utilizing the person and uh, rendering them um, useless, you know, uh, in a catastonic state, but accepting of them and and using them as a beacon, and then they reinsert the human body into into or bring it here to Earth, and because it's down on Earth, then it's a conduit for them to be able to come in. Do you see? So it's a beacon for a place for them to be able to land because they can get through the quarantine and get down here because why? They have somebody on the inside that's saying, welcome. Uh, you have to, I've referred to this before as the vampire knocking at your door. In all the vampire movies, the entire uh, uh, ideology around that is the practice of that is not allowing evil into your door without your knowledge. Because by saying, yeah, sure, you can come in not knowing that that was a wolf, a vampire that is going to suck your blood. And, and then woo you, right? And we know this from all of vampire movies, including uh, True Blood, the TV series, where they use their abilities to woo you. And that's what they're doing here. They're using their ability to hypnotize the person and to get them to, uh, to accept them. That would be the, the vampires wooing them. Uh, and they always show that by the male vampire wooing the female because then it creates that, uh, that whole romantic version that captivates the audience, woos the audience of men and women, the man being dominant over the female, the the female with the, the dominant male. It's sexy, even though he's dangerous. It's the bad guy. It's all in your DNA, right? All of that's in your DNA on both sides, the masculine and the feminine. And they know that. And that's why it's it's done that way on purpose in the movies. And, and that it captivates the audience. And so the women watch the movie and the men watch the movie. And they both get something out of it. You won't get aroused out of watching that, whether you want to admit it or not. Uh, and until the act happens and the vampire uh, eats the woman's, you know, drinks her blood and kills her dead. But up until then, it's sexy. And even if he doesn't kill her and he's trying to turn her, then it becomes sexy. Look at the look at True Blood. True Blood, the entire television series that, uh, what's his name, uh, Alexander Skargard was in, uh, which is a great TV series. I loved it. Was very sexy. The entire thing was was sexy. Great sex scenes. Great nudity. Great vampires. Great wooing and great fighting and great. You know, I loved the scenes where uh, where uh, I admit it. I love the True Blood. I did too, Casey. I loved it. I love the scene when uh, the crazy Christians were trying to kill the vampires and uh, and Skarsgård, who was the sheriff, went to his master, who turned him, who was this little fourteen year old Viking boy who'd been alive for 4,000 years or so and was tired, and he ended up committing suicide at the time because he was tired of living. But I love when they went and captured the Christians and kept the guy alive who was the head of the of the Christian zealots, and um, they had him in the church, and uh, the, he comes in, and the, and the priest starts praying, and he looks at him, and he says, Ah, yes, you're Jesus. You know I'm older than him. I missed his crucifixion, though. I was busy on that day. I loved that scene. That scene was, I fucking love the scene. I love the lines. I love that he said that. 14-year-old Viking boy who's been around for 5,000 years. I mean, you know, I'm older than your God. Although I missed his crucifixion, I was busy on that day. <laughs> right? I love that. I love that. Right, Alexander Skarsgård. And then right then was when he filmed the movie, by the way. Uh, remember in the during the this thing where he cut all his hair off? That was because that was when he went and filmed um, um, 
oh, what's that movie? The movie where he was in the Navy and uh, the aliens came down. I can't think of it. It was made after the board game by Milton Bradley. And uh, they were in Hawaii and the aliens came down and they, and they had to fight against them and he was in the Navy. That's why he, showed, he cut his hair. That was the same time they were filming that movie uh, that he was in. And I can't think of the name of it right now. Battleship. Thank you, Julie. So that was he had left uh, during the show uh, during the off time when they weren't filming and he went to uh, film that movie. And he had to cut all his hair off for the movie. So when he came back, they had to explain why he cut his hair. So they had him cut his hair uh, in the, the next season. And I was like, oh, he cut off all of his hair. I didn't realize. Then finally, I, I found out it was because he went and filmed Battlestar, uh, Battleship. Um, and he was I was like, OK, I get it. So, yeah, I love his father. For those of you who don't know who Alexander Skarsgård's father is, if you saw any of the movies uh, uh, of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, he he played Captain Jack's. Uh, I'm sorry, he played uh, he played uh, uh, Bootstrap Bill Turner Senior. Bootstrap Bill William Turner Senior uh, is Skarsgård's father. And if you saw the movie, uh, not Excalibur, but um, um, uh, King Arthur, uh, the one where Clive Owen played King Arthur. The uh, head, the king of the Vikings uh, who were invading England, they were actually Saxons. Uh, so they were Saison, they were Saxons. Uh, so they so they were uh, not actually German Vikings, or they were German Vikings, but they were not high Germans, they were low Germans. Anyway, that's why they were called Saison. Uh, so anyways, he was the king of the Vikings uh, with long hair. He looked badass. I loved him in that movie. The whole family. Are great, great actors, uh, really great actors and actresses in that family. Love, I'm in love with all of them. Uh, they're beautiful people. They're great, great actors, uh, great performers. Every movie they've ever been in, uh, TV show they've ever been in, uh, they do a great job. And and uh, they're they're royalty in Europe. You know, like you know, like uh, the Baldwin's are in America. They're, they're they're bigger than the Baldwin's. Okay, so. So you have to realize, I loved that, though. I loved the history and the way that they uh, show you timeline. And as far as, uh, you know, Jesus, who's 2,000 years old, and here's this kid who's 3,000 years older than Jesus, right? Still walking the earth, and eventually he decided to, to sit and watch a sunrise and burn and die because he was tired of living. Uh, and that would happen. That's why I love the irony of that. If you really lived for 5,000 years and the life expectancy was about 100 years, um, you know, you would get tired of being alive eventually. You would, you would, there'd be like a, nothing more to live for. I've seen it all. And everybody that I've ever known is dead. And everybody that I get to know ages out and dies in front of my eyes. So eventually, if you were not in the right mindset to be in service to others uh, in your life, uh, life, repetitive life like that, would get very annoying and you would end up getting tired. And even people like us that are in service to, to others uh, have that issue. Apparently I had that. I've talked about this many times where I was told by psychics before I even knew who I was and was not completely awake uh, that uh, I had taken the lifetime off just prior to this one because I was, I got pissed off at the universe. So I got tired of, of being repetitively living on this planet over and over and over and waking up to know that I'm here to help. And then, not having it come to fruition fast enough and me becoming impatient, which is what you we all have to learn and is, is the exact uh, 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 um, lesson that was that Yoda was trying to teach to Luke Skywalker uh, to become the greatest Jedi Knight that he did eventually become. Uh, he had to uh, he had to be able to overcome that which was in him that was impatient. And learn the patience of repetitiveness if you, to see the long, long story, right? To become more like a druid 
and to to understand the long or understand the long game of the druid ideology which is uh trans transcendental or trans you know trans life trans whatever you want to call it that that is as transdimensional as well as transgenerational okay Yeah, Alex Hawk Anderson, Ivar the Boneless in the Vikings loved Ivar too, right? And then they screwed that up, right? <laughs> right, but that was yeah, that's that. Alex Hawk Anderson played Ivar the Boneless, another great actor, by the way. Um, uh, great uh, family, by the way. That that it played Ivar the Boneless, and but it, even Vikings had to, had to realize that they got the story wrong themselves. Uh, when they went when they rehearsed it because or researched it because somebody said he wasn't he didn't have uh um, no legs that worked he didn't have like rubber legs he was they called him the boneless because he couldn't get a heart on he had no boner so he was the boneless because he never got laid and he was really angry because of it that's the truth right so and that's the scary part but it's truth okay so the 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 whole realization of 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 what raw is saying here is trying to show you cross physical plane to spiritual plane to astral plane to dimensional plane knowledge that has been kept and that is the key to uh, the understanding or the understanding that which has happened to this planet and why okay and that's and it's and I know it's, it, it, some people would say, "Oh my God, you've like put way too much into that." I, I I can't stress it enough. There's many places that I have stopped, and I will do this continuing to do this as we go along to show and to unpack these things that are that are in these little teeny paragraphs that Don had no idea to ask the questions or to interpret the way they needed to be interpreted for people to understand or understand uh, that which is the knowledge that was trying to be given to us, right? So hang on, let's continue. The second form is that of landing beneath the Earth's crust which is entered from water. Again, in the general area of your South American and Caribbean areas and close to the so-called Northern Pole, the bases of these people are underground. 8.14 Questioner, what do the Orion Group have? What's the objective with respect to the conquest of the Orion Group? RA, IMRA. As we have said previously, their objective is to locate certain minds slash body slash spirit complexes which vibrate in resonance with their own vibrational complex, then to enslave the unelite, as you may call those who are not of the Orion vibration. 8. Okay, so... So they got here, and, and for those people who are not the elite families that are, in fact, evil, that are, in fact, tendency to, to be, they, they enslave them. And then the ones that are not, that, that are, in fact, in service to others, they try to enslave them, too. Those are the ones that are the most valuable because they can force them to do their work for them. Okay. And, that, and I'm not going to get involved in the underground military bases. Uh, we have already covered that. There's At this time, uh, in 1981, there was uh, 113 or 14. There's 100 and more than 190, possibly over 200 underground military bases uh, around the world right now uh, that, that are being used currently, not to mention the ones that are no longer being used, that have been outdated and, and abandoned, right? 
So that's crazy enough. Uh, and and I will explain uh, the the different places where they were talking about getting into the Earth because those are the places that the Greys and the Draconians, um, uh, the, you know, are had already bases. So not to mention the almost 200 military bases that have been created by humans on this planet. There's great numbers of cities underground. Entire species, especially the different Draconian races, live inside the Earth and have. They've been here for millions of years. Uh, they claim they were here three million years before humans ever showed up. Okay? And that they believe that this is their planet. Before you guys got here, we were here. And then we came up to the surface one day, and there was all these freaking monkeys running around. What the hell? And that's they look at as, as humans as squatters. But then they realize they can use them for food, whether it's energy or literal food for the three, third dimension, and uh, then to do other things as their slave labor. So then we became a commodity to the evil people in uh, in the third dimensional race that is the draconian race or the different draconian races. All right, here we go. One five questioner was the landing at Pascagoula in 1973 when Charlie Hickson was taken on board this type of landing. R.A. I am R.A. The landing of which you speak was what you would call an anomaly. It was neither the Orion influence nor our people's in thought form, but rather a planetary entity of your own vibration which came through quarantine in all innocence in a random landing. 8.16 Questioner, what did they do to Charlie Hickson when they took him on board? R.A. I am R.A. They used his mind slash body slash spirit complexes life experience, concentrating upon the experience of the complexes of what you call war. 8.17 Questioner, how did they use them? R.A. I am R.A. The use of experience is to learn. Consider a race who watches a movie. It experiences a story and identifies with the feelings, perceptions, and experiences of the hero. 8.18 Questioner, was Charlie Hickson originally of the same social memory complex as the ones who picked him up? R.A. I am R.A. This entity of vibratory sound complex did not have a connection with those who used him. 8.19 Questioner, did those who used him use his war experiences to learn more of the law of one? R.A. I am R.A. This is correct. Okay, so now that that's important. Uh, why? Well, because the people that came here were neither from the Orion Confederation or the Crusaders, and they were not uh, of Ra's or the uh, Council's configuration. Uh, in mind thought, they were somebody who came through uh, that that got through the quarantine because quarantine is not perfect because it's a quarantine of the third and fourth and fifth dimension, which is still flawed because it's you're still physical at that point. So because of that, it's not 100 percent absolute. There are windows where people can get in. And then they took him up and were literally watching his memories uh, to learn from it and, and more about the because of the experiences of of the war that they were seeing in his mind, watching like a movie and experiencing just like we do when we watch a movie or read a book. Right. Or listen to somebody telling a story and the emotions that you feel because of the characters portraying the, the part in, in a way that that motivates you or that makes you feel what they're feeling. Because of that, you learn. We learn the same way from watching movies or plays or whatever. Uh, on reading books and listening to music or whatever we do, right? So that's why we do what we do, because it's it's doing 
This is the physical plane, the third dimensional plane on the third planet from the yellow ray, which is the third chakra ray, which is the doing place. So the so they were they came here and they were looking at war and and watching his memory of when he was in Vietnam, obviously, and uh, or Korea, one of those two wars, because he wasn't old enough at that time to be from the World War Two, and they were learning from that about the law of one. They were learning about war. Right. So they they uh, maybe have uh, eliminated war and somebody wanted to learn firsthand what that would would feel like in the eyes of somebody who was actually there, the terror or whatever. We have movies that we watch over and over again on these different genres of war to do that exact thing, to teach ourselves whether we admit it out loud. Right. You watch an old movie, especially like you say, uh, the, the Band of Brothers. That was about that military company in the in the Rangers. Uh, of the army, the army rangers, the 82nd airborne or the 101st, uh, it was 101st. Uh, and they went into, uh, you know, fought everywhere and eventually in Germany. And they were the ones that were trapped by, in the battle of the bulge behind enemy lines that were literally that Patton went in and got out. And when he got there, they were fighting hand to hand because they ran out of ammunition on both sides. And they were literally beating each other over the head with, with hitting and stabbing with bayonets and knives and hitting somebody was hitting somebody and killing him with a helmet and, and rocks and whatever they had. That's what they were fighting with. It got, it got down to literally broke down to where they were cavemen bashing each other in the skull, but it was still war and that, you know what I mean? And they were still there and they held out. So that's a story that was so brave that they literally stayed and fought when they could have just surrendered and they didn't that to this day, we still venerate that. We had that entire mini series on the live of those people. And we do that with everything. Look at Black Hawk Down. That's a real story that really happened in Mogadishu in the nineties when Bill Clinton was the president of the United States. And it was a real event. And the people that were in there looked just like the guys who were the real part that did a great job uh, casting uh, for the guys who were really there. And uh, we see that movie, it happened exactly the way you see it happen. There was, in fact, they had to downplay the violence. Uh, and that's a, a good teaching lesson as to what not to do, right? To get yourself into a situation. And it was the, it was the arrogance of the military personnel that got them into the situation that they were in. And then uh, because of that, their arrogance, once again, is what almost cost all those men their lives. And it was because of their grit that they were able to uh, fight their way out and make it out of their alive. The ones who ran that Mogadishu mile at the end of the, of the movie in real life, no ammunition guys were running out and everyone uh, thought they had ammunition the entire time. They all ran out of ammunition. They ran an entire mile through enemy lines on foot at 15 of them or so that were stuck. Uh, they didn't get to get on the Hummers. And they ran out of the city. They were surrounded by hundreds of thousands of Mogadishus who were trying to kill them. And uh, they were afraid of the Americans because the Americans literally were outnumbered a thousand to one and had killed thousands and thousands of Somalis and only lost a handful, like 12 or 13 guys uh, were killed on the American side. And they killed tens of thousands of uh, Mogadishus, uh, uh, person, you know, uh, civilians and military personnel uh, in, during that, uh, that uh, two-day uh, fight. 48 hours from beginning to end. It's crazy, right? So these are the kind of things that we learn from that we love. Look at, at the Vietnam movies, all the Vietnam movies that came out. How many times have you gone and seen them? And then you find out there were true stories. All movies, the best movies are true stories where we tell a story about what happened. Look at the 300, right? Happened in real life with Leonidas. Look at, uh, you know, look at the, the Patriot, what Mel Gibson made. Happened in real life. Everything you see in that movie 
every line that was there came from history. It happened in real life. Um, those are the best stories are where people who fight against tyranny and survive. People who are fighting, who are in service to others, who are fighting against people who are in service to self and against all odds defeat these, these people who are seemingly um, more vicious and outnumbering these people, yet the, the will of people who are in service to others uh, and for some reason wins out. There's reason for that. And that's what the lessons that are trying to be taught. All right, let's continue. Eight point two zero questioner. Were the entities that picked him can you describe? Is that the normal configuration of these entities? The inaudible rather unusual. RA, I am RA. The configuration of their beings is their normal configuration. The unusualness is not remarkable. We ourselves, when we chose a mission among your peoples, needed to study your peoples for had we arrived in no other form than our own, we would have been perceived as light. 8.21 Questioner, well, what density did the entities who picked up Charlie Hickson come from? What was their density? R.A., I am R.A. The entities in whom you show such interest are third density beings of a fairly high order. We should express the understanding to you that these entities would not have used the mind-slash-body-slash-spirit complex, Charlie, except for the resolve of this entity before incarnation to be of service. 8.22 Questioner. What was the home or origin of the entities that took Charlie? R.A. I am R.A. These entities are of the Sirius Galaxy. 8.23 Questioner. The most startling information that you've given me, which I must admit I'm having difficulty believing, is that the United States has 573 craft like you described. How many people in our government are aware that we have these? How many total people of United States designation are aware of this? including those who operate the craft. R.A., I am R.A. The number of your peoples varies, for there are needs to communicate at this particular time slash space nexus so that the number is expanding at this time. The approximate number is 1500-1500. It is only approximate for as your illusory time slash space continuum moves from present to present at this nexus many are learning. So only about 1,500 people inside the, the, the uh, military-industrial complex at the time in 1981 were aware. But the need to know was expanding out from that, and it has exponentially uh, because of the uh, of overreach, because of, of the space programs and the, and the things that were going on, okay? Now, that's not including the amount of people on the earth itself, like myself, that know about this stuff, because I was not part of the military industrial complex, although I guess you could say that I was, considering I worked for the Secret Service of the Irish Republican uh, uh, government and was in service to, because of that, too. Uh, you know, but there was a it's necessary evils happen uh, for the better good of, of uh, the rest of the people. Sometimes you have to infiltrate or seemingly allow people to think that you're uh, doing their bidding so that you can solidify certain things that uh, in the future are going to help people in a way. Uh, and so you have to have you have to be a part of some uh, uh, seemingly semblance of their fringe to um, not have them single you out as a target 
And yet, so you have to keep your enemies closer, right? You have to keep your friends closer, your enemies closer. You have to do that sometimes uh, to gain access to certain knowledges. Uh, and then you have people that will trust you and give you information, which I have had over the years. And I have never mentioned names of people, and I still don't, uh, that don't want it to be named and that can't be named because of the information that I do get from people and have over the, over the course of my life. And some people give me things without uh, ever getting any knowledge because I happen to be in a place or a position to do something about it for whatever reason, right? During the, the election of, of George Bush Jr., the first one, uh, where he was, uh, you know, had that, that problem where they had the hanging chads in, in Florida and the count of what was going on at that particular time, um, I had access to... Uh, information and satellites, like I literally had a backdoor into the CIA satellite and used to laugh uh, about that because Colin Powell, when he showed you the images of what was going on in Iraq prior to the uh, Desert Storm and especially Desert uh, Storm after Desert Shield, I had just the night before looked at their satellite and images of what was going on out there in that desert at the time and actually downloaded those images and were using those images in a briefing that I was that I was talking about for other purposes uh, to uh, to um, people in in, um, in coalitions on the planet. And the next day, Colin Powell used the exact same images because they were from the CIA satellites, uh, exact same images to uh, give a news conference to the world is to justify why and where we were going to go and what was happening and why we were going in uh, because of the information that they were given, the bogus information that they had weapons of mass destruction, which they actually did have, but it was bogus because they were not, they didn't have what they thought they had and they didn't have ready nukes and stuff like that. Okay. Um, but they did have the, the capability and they would have had the capability, just like Iran now. Iran doesn't actually have nuclear weapons, but they have the ability that if we don't, if we leave them unchecked in the next uh, six to eight years or less, they will have the ability to make nuclear weapons. Same thing was going on in Iraq at the time. Okay. Um, so, so that, that like, so that, <laughs> so I, and, and at the time, I also had emails, including Colin Powell's. I had emails of um, so many people. Like now I have emails of the Trump family. And, and people are like, how do you get this stuff? I'm like, you know, it's weird. People give me things. And sometimes I get things and, and go, I wonder if this is a real person, or, you know, or if this is a, you know, the, the real person. And I get an email from uh, somebody and it's in uh, one of these uh, political parties or whatever. Uh, and at the time, being a hacker uh, when I was younger, I was able to get all the telephone numbers and emails of, of, of everybody in the military and the government. And uh, during that time when um, everything was going on and the counting was going on and uh, I got information given to me and I don't know who by, somebody forwarded information to me telling me that I needed to tell the powers that be to not allow the count. And, and at the time, George Bush uh, Jr. was going to um, concede the, the election. And he actually called, uh, um, you know, Al Gore and them up. His team called him up and said he's going to call and, and concede the election in the next few minutes. And then that time went by and then nothing happened. And then he called him and said, I thought you were going to concede. And he said, no, nope, no, nope, we decided not to. Well, I don't know if it was only because of me. I don't, I don't want to take credit for that, but it was because of me and people like me. I got the information that there was a bunch of uh, stuff that was still coming in and from the military overseas and for some reason, somebody knew that I had contact with these people, so I was given the information. 
I have to remember that was in 1990, you know, the nineties, right. Uh, right after Clinton. So it'd have been 96, 97, whatever that was right. Somewhere around then, uh, no, it was junior. So it was up in the two thousands, but I still had my connections. So, so somebody knew that I, that I needed to have that information because I was able to get that information to them. And I emailed that information and forwarded to everybody in the joint chiefs and everybody in the, in the political party at the time. And all of a sudden, it must have been other people doing it as well. They looked at it and said, there is still things that need to be counted. It's going to change this uh, election. And he said, no, we're not going to uh, uh, concede. And that's when the whole battle started over the recounts and over and over and over and over. Okay. The same thing happened when Donald Trump was uh, was running for president in his first term. And, and he was being goaded by Hillary Clinton over and over and over and over. And um, I had his son's email and, his, and I emailed his son and said, tell your father to stop being uh, stop having Hooperus be his worst nightmare. Uh, have him be presidential and not buy into her uh, attacks when she attacks him and to ignore those and to be presidential. Now, I'm not assuming that it was only me that said that. I'm sure that everyone else in his cabinet said the same thing to him. Uh, and uh, but I sent that to him the next day. He went out in the next debate and and refused to to uh, let her goat him into uh, sounding stupid and sounded presidential. And that changed the course of people voting for him. And, and everyone even said that afterwards, all the analysis and the analysts said, had he not done that, he would have never became president. So I'm at the right place at the right time. I'm not saying that I'm the one who changed all of that, but I'm saying that people have well, besides myself, I'm sure thousands of other people were given the same knowledge, I believe, at the same time that I was given and that I was given that information out to these people and the other people were too. And so enough people changed the minds of things. Here's another example uh, that, that is true. And, and you can look this up during the, the time when they accused uh, uh, Tom Brady of cheating and lowering the the, pr uh, the pressure of the footballs, which uh, the the uh, uh, at the time the commissioner eventually suspended him anyways, which he then uh, proved a point by winning the Super Bowl uh, that season anyways, even after he was suspended, winning it again. Um, I went and looked up scientifically uh, the pressure of the football and saw that when the pressure, when the temperature drops down to below zero, uh, the temperature of a football can actually lower by by a few degrees. So so the the, the or the temp the pressure can lower. It happens naturally. Uh, the same thing when uh, when a tire heats up, the pressure expands inside. So when it's hotter outside, they they pump up the ball uh, lower pressure because the heat from the sun makes the air pressure get bigger, you know, uh, stronger inside the football. Same thing happens in the reverse. And what I did was I linked, for some reason, I had the information of, of uh, Gronkowski, the, the owner of the team, the manager of the team, Tom Brady, and a few other players. Um, so I, I sent that to them, and uh, all those guys started following me. Gronkowski was following me on Twitter, and so was, uh, so was Tom Brady, so was the, the owner of the team, everybody. And that was their defense. They took my scientific research that I forwarded to them and they presented that as their, uh, as their re research. I had people from, uh, from ESPN, uh, were following me because I won the guy was the guy who broke that. That's not a joke. I never got credit for it, but I was the one. And when, and all the stuff they talked about on television, they showed the site that was mine. I'm the one who went and found that. And I'm, was I the only one? I'm not going to assume I was the only one because that information was out there for anybody to see. So how many other people besides myself, stupid little brainiacs, looked that up and sent it in? I do know that what they used uh, as their defense was the website I sent them. Okay, And all those guys had started following me on Twitter. 
and emailing me after that. Okay. Uh, nobody and nobody called me up to have me be investigated on television to explain where I got that from, but uh, they used all the information that I sent them. So I get information because I'm in the right place at the right time. And I believe that some of this comes through. Most of it comes through because it's supposed to. And I think a lot of it does not come from other third dimensional beings. Some might, right? But I think that a lot of it's coming through in a different way from a different source because I'm supposed to be in the right place at the right time and have this information to give out to people. I'm not trying to say, you know, that, uh, oh, well, I was put here because I'm some sort of savior. All of everybody has that ability. If you're, if you're listening and paying attention is my point. We all have these abilities to do this stuff if we're paying attention. Okay. So now I'm going to look at what you guys are because it looks like Casey's been uh, asking questions too, right? Julie says, Leo, can you clarify Charlie's name? Oh, yes. Uh, I'd have to go back here and look myself. Um, what is it here? Let me see. Let me rewind here and see where it's Charlie. Where is it? Um, where is Charlie Hickson is his name. It's, here it is here on the screen. It's, so it's, it's C-H-A-R-L-I-E. Last name Hickson, H-I-C-K-S, as in Sam, O-N, as in Nancy. Charlie Hickson uh, is his name. And he was a famous person uh, that was abducted uh, by a UFO, and uh, nobody believed him at the time uh, that he was abducted by a UFO. And uh, he had disappeared for a few days and then reappeared, and, and everybody thought that he was just drunk somewhere or on drugs. And and they discredited him. Of course, they were going to discredit him because uh, he was abducted by somebody from off world. So there was no way the mainstream media and the cabal was going to allow that story to continue. You can look him up. Uh, you can look him up in all of the stuff that happened to him. It's it's all uh, out there in the in the ether for you to see. Right. Let's see what else Casey says. They mentioned the Syrians. Yeah, I knew somebody was going to, I let that blow past. I wanted to see if anybody was going to uh, throw that up. The Syrians taking that guy, but, uh, but haven't the Syrians uh, been here since basically the beginning? Uh, in some form, yes. Uh, they, but these people, like the Andromedans, uh, were here in a physical sense from there on a, in a three dimensional craft. Uh, that came here. Have the, is there people from uh, from the the Siri uh, uh, nebula or, or, or galaxy uh, here on Earth? Yeah, yeah, there is. Uh, and they, and some of them are here that were not born here, uh, and that are here helping. And then others are here that are wanderers that came uh, through. You have to realize that people here on everywhere, okay, but especially in a place where people are stuck. Uh, you have to realize that then you have a flock of people in both on a third dimensional uh, plane and in a in a uh, wanderer uh, fashion being born, coming through spiritually from these other places that become here legally and become born and mind wiped. And then you have other people who show up here in a spacecraft who are not, in fact, mind wiped because they are in a third dimensional space oh, and fourth and fifth dimensional. So you have to realize that the universe is no different than the world. You have people that are German that are in every part of the United States. You have people that are Irish that are all in China and Japan. So you know, it's the same thing. People travel, souls travel, people travel around the universe itself. Um, but he's referring here to a physically a spaceship of people physically coming from Siri and coming to the Earth and then abducting a person and uh, watching their memories to learn from it. OK, 
okay, an expeditionary uh, force that is that is there to for a purpose of learning uh, and then trying to not, uh, you know, trying to uphold the prime directive by not uh, allowing the person to remember. That's why the mind wiping and our people do the same thing. So some of the abductions, and this is what Raw talked about, are people that are coming here, not physically, but using their uh, their minds and doing the same thing, implanting memories or giving them an experience, uh, you know, to expand their uh, possibilities of belief that there are other, and then the stories they tell uh, that expand the minds of the human beings and the human condition to uh, believe in uh, entities from other than Earth to expand the consciousness of the people on this planet to the realization that we are more. This is why I called my book and my show Orion Rising uh, because of all of the clues here on the planet that are leading back to Orion, not not to uh, not to be uh, con, you know confused with uh, the uh, the Orion Crusaders, but also the Orion Crusaders in part of that messaging. Uh, and so the whole purpose of my book called being called Orion Rising was the awaken the, the to to uh, to expand and help expand even through osmosis the the consciousness of the human condition. Uh, and my show being called Orion Rising Rising was done for the same purpose because I believe that we as a species are, are in fact doing just that. We are waking up to the memory of where we are from. Uh, on a mass scale, which should have already happened anyways. It's supposed to be constantly happening to where everybody's born and they're veiled, but you're supposed to, after, you know, seven to 10 lifetimes, you're supposed to learn what you're supposed to learn and then graduate. Your spirit leaves, your soul leaves, and you don't leave that memory uh, here on earth, but you leave a footprint that helps other people to advance their, their people. Now, to, to show you an example uh, on the positive side, not the negative side, the Andromedans, they pass on what they learn to their kids 100%. So the kids learn faster because they're being taught everything that their uh, entire society knows for real. They're not being held back like we're being held back 90% of the reality of our, of our uh, society and only given 10%, right? We're being, we're being treated like a mushroom. We're being kept in the dark and fed full of shit. Okay, so they, unlike us, they do the opposite and they teach their children. So their children, by the time they graduate from what we would call high school in 12 years, the knowledge that they've gained is more knowledge than we gain in an entire lifetime. And so the think about the advances that they make every generation in a society that works that way. That's the way it's supposed to work when you don't have evil usurping the matrix and taking control of the matrix, which is what happened here and any other place where things get stuck. Where people get stuck, it's because evil-minded people, people who are in fact evil, nefarious, they take control of the narrative once they learn it, and they then they erase and eradicate the memory of anybody else in society from knowing that, and they control that narrative and then control that knowledge, which is what they've done here on this planet. And by doing that, then they control a thing. To control, to be able to destroy a thing is to control a thing. Right. And to control a thing is to is to be dominant over it. So to have the knowledge uh, that they had and they still have and they know to be true, everything that I'm telling you, they've known for generations and everybody in their families when they when they are supposed to know it, they get to know it. But they still keep it from everybody else because evil people, when, when I if I become in charge and I'm the top guy, I have to be the top guy and I have to have leverage over everybody else, which means I have to have some knowledge that I keep back. Otherwise, if I tell everybody everything, there's no reason for them to not take me out. 
So evil people only give information out to evil people what they need that person to know. That's the need-to-know basis that the military uh, runs on, the government runs on. That's why they call it need-to-know. You don't need to know this. Why don't I need to, you don't need to know this? You don't need to know this because if you knew this, you wouldn't need me. Do you understand? That's why they do it. So the need-to-know basis and the concept of the need-to-know basis was designed to keep evil people in power. And that's what they're doing. Okay. So, yes, to answer your question, yes, there are people here uh, from the beginning, from Siri, right? But there's people here in many different guises. You have to, you, so they're giving you the physical, and the, 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 because that particular case was a scientific uh, expedition coming here to learn about war on this planet, right? Not to say that that person that he, and this is the, the purpose, by the way, of that line saying his condition prior to being here because his spirit is in fact from Siri. So he came through, was born here on this planet, and that's why they were able to come and find him here and be able to use him because he gave them permission before he was born to be able to come here. That's that transdimensional thing that has to do with the space-time continuum and everything happening now outside of the, the reach of third dimension. Do you understand that? So there, that's what Ra, what Ra was referring to at that point when Ra said that, 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 uh, that uh, let's see, uh, where is it here? The people of uh, various need communication at this particular time, space nexus, know that the expanding at this time, the approximate number, no, 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 that's talking about how many people. So it was prior to that, and I have to rewind it here a little bit, to where he said that it had to do with uh, his condition, okay? So... Uh, Charlie accepted this re this revulsion at this entity before incarnation to be of service. Do you see? So Charlie had, before he came here, he had already, they asked permission to come down here and abduct him to then, uh, because they knew what he was going to go through because he was setting down his life and that he was going to be in a war and he was going to go through that to experience it. So not only was he experiencing that for his own purposes but he was experiencing it so that his race could then send someone here and that's what raw was referring to in that statement where where that that he before his incarnation to be of service he was actually uh told, told them yes then you guys have from my permission to come and abduct me even though he had that, no memory of that when he was here they came and got him and abducting him and then used it and then recorded his images and took them back home to teach their people and that was what that entire thing was about. He had already given permission for them to do that prior to coming through in this reality. Isn't that crazy to think about that? So that's kind of crazy to think about, right? Okay, so let's let's continue, right? So when they when they were doing that, it wasn't for yes. That's to answer your question. Casey said maybe not for nefarious reasons, but just for that learn for the learning. Yes, and so they weren't doing that. They didn't come to abduct him for nefarious reasons. They came because they had asked his permission. You're going to that place called Earth. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, so listen. Well, and then, and I'm getting ready to. This is I'm putting together my life. I'm going to be involved in a war, and I'm going to be uh, going through that experience. And they're like, okay, so hey, listen, we got an idea. If you give us permission. Can we come and get that information out of your memory complex and use that for our entire species back home? And he said, yes. 
So they weren't doing it for nefarious purposes. They were doing it for learning purposes. And they came here knowing they were targeting him because they knew who he was and they knew he had survived and that he was going to. So they knew where to look, where to find him. And they went in and got his memory. He had already given them permission. He doesn't remember it because now he's incarnate in a body here. That's what Raw was referring to there and explaining there in that paragraph. All right, let's continue. Eight point two four questioner. Where are these craft constructed? RA. These craft are constructed one by one in two locations, in the desert or arid regions of your so-called New Mexico and in the desert or arid regions of your so-called Mexico, both installations being under the ground. So, you know, there's nothing going on at Groom Lake and, and area of <laughs> out there in, in Nevada and in New Mexico, especially in in Roswell, New Mexico, right? No, no, not at all. And Mexico underground. Think about that. Okay, here we go. 8.25 questioner. Do you say the United States actually has a manufacturing plant in Mexico? RA, I am RA. I spoke thusly. May I, at this time, Reiterate that this type of information is very shallow and of no particular consequence compared to the study of the law of one. However, we carefully watch these developments in hopes that your peoples are able to be harvested in peace. 8.26 Questioner, I am totally aware how this line of questioning is of no consequence at all, but this particular information is so startling to me that it makes me question your validity on this. Up until this point, I was in agreement with everything. This is very startling, and it does not seem possible that the secret could have been kept 27 years, and that we are operating these craft. I apologize for my attitude, but I thought I would be very honest about this. It is unbelievable to me that we would operate a plant in Mexico, outside of the United States, to build these craft. Maybe I'm mistaken. These craft are physical craft built by our physical people? I could go get in one and ride in one? Is that correct? R.A. I am R.A. This is incorrect. You could not ride one. The United States, as you call your society divisional complex, creates these as a type of weapon. 8.27 questioner. There are no occupants then. No pilot, shall I say. R.A. I am R.A. This is correct. 8.28 questioner. How are they controlled? R.A. I am R.A. They are controlled by computer from a remote source of data. 8.29 Questioner, why do we have a plant in Mexico? RA, I am RA. The necessity is both for dryness of the ground and for a near total lack of population. Therefore, your so-called government and the so-called government of your neighboring geographical vicinity Okay, so it's buffing. It's probably crashing. We'll stop that right there and let that think for a moment, <laughs> right? Yeah, see, it's crashing on us. I knew it was going to do that. It was getting it was information that was being given to you that was just too much. Sorry, I'm leaning back and not on camera. Uh, that information that I knew, I was like, this is going to go bad. As soon as he started having a frog in his throat, I was like, this is going to go bad. It's going to crash here. But then that happens when I have it opened up too long. Okay, so now I wanted to explain something um about uh, here you know dawn at this point has no 
idea that any of this will, how is this possible? I, you know what? I, I just don't want to buy that. He believes, and he's okay with the concept that evil people from outer space have come to the earth and taken control of the earth and have uh, got the people of the earth stuck. That concept is okay with him, right? But the idea, the idea that the American government would have a military base underground in Mexico is so foreign to him in his mindset. There's no way our government would ever have a base in, in, in Mexico. That's because you believe that there's a difference between Mexico and the United States. Okay, you have to realize, and it's being becoming very apparent now in the political arena that the people that are in charge and think they own this planet, they don't have any borders. And the borders that they pretend are only there so that you pay them money in a certain way. They have to have borders so they can say those people are the enemy. Okay, but they don't believe there are borders. They believe the entire planet is theirs. Okay, and they operate that way. The, the concept to most people is so foreign. It's like saying to someone, you don't need money for anything. And they're like, we need money for everything. If there was no money, the whole entire planet would stop. No, just the monetary system. The planet existed before money, and the planet did just fine before there was a centralized uh, um, money system. Okay. Everybody did what they needed to do. It's just, they did it in a different way. Now they've gotten you so dependent on the monetary system. You have lost the skills to know how to survive without having money. And no one's teaching you those anymore. That's why I wrote a book about it called, uh, uh prepping slash survival for beginners. Okay. Because my family made sure that our family realizes and understands how to survive on this earth without monetary system in case the monetary system crashes. Okay. And you have to realize that to defeat these people and to take back their power, the monetary system has to crash. That's why they're trying to crash it on their own terms so that they can then change it to what they want, which is one world currency. They're trying to get rid of your mindset that there are borders by opening the borders like they are here in this country now and ignoring the fact that there is a border between Mexico and the United States completely and Mexico and Canada completely. There is no border in their minds. It is the planet. But if you try to say there are no borders, they'll put you in jail for it. But if you agree with them and just kind of ignore the borders, then they'll let you play along. But if you say, uh, you know, but that's the, the problem with that is if I'm a citizen and I'm just driving down the street and a cop pulls me over and I go, look, I don't believe in your laws because I'm a citizen of the earth. Those guys who bought, have bought into the system that there is a state, there is an America, there is a city boundary, there is a state boundary, a county boundary, there is a boundary and there are laws that we have to govern to keep the people in, in power, oh, I'm sorry, to keep the people in, the slaves in line, uh, then they'll go, no, you're in the state of Texas and pot's illegal here, you're going to jail, it's a felony. I don't care that you come from California where it's completely legal. That would be like saying slavery is legal on Mars. How come I can't have slaves on Earth? Because we have laws here. Do you see? 
But the truth is the same slave masters have slaves here that have slaves on Mars because they don't abide by those rules. Those rules are for thee, not for me. And that's exactly what is becoming apparent, which is good, because the population of this planet is starting to look at these people in the through the eyes of those of us who have been looking at them all along that way. When I said this craziness that I'm saying to you right now, five years ago, everybody thought I was nuts. Said so. Some people still think I'm crazy now. A lot of people. Because only 20% of the population of this earth is awake enough to know it's becoming exponentially larger. Uh, there are, you know, more than that now. There's more like 50 to 60% of the population that's waking up, but they still aren't completely awake when I say the things that I say now. People uh, say that I'm crazy. I don't know what I'm talking about. Making shit up. Okay. I said the same thing five, 10 years ago about certain ideologies as well. So it's a matter of your awareness, your awoke state, your awakened state, not your woke state, because the wokeness is that fake woke that they can say, I'm, I'm, I'm woke. Yeah, yeah, we know you're woke. You're not awake, you're woke. We know that. There's a big difference, right? You're, you're following this insanity that they're trying to sell to the people so that they can sell them on one world government under their control. So they're trying to break down the borders now so that they control everything openly. They're still not going to give you anything. You're going to own nothing, but you're going to be happy, right? So, yeah, so you know, in case this is right, uh, laugh out loud, but uh, he can't believe that the U.S. would have an underground base in Mexico. He was really stuck on that. Yes, he was. Uh, in fact, he stopped this entire line of questioning, right? Soon after this, you will hear no more questions about Technology, uh, alien spacecraft, American own, none of that. He goes directly into the spiritual and stays down that road. It's okay in his mind to talk about aliens. It's okay to talk about an alien expeditionary force that is that is forcibly keeping the this planet locked down under slavery, uh, you know, in a form of slavery, uh, and and that people need to wake up. He's okay with all of those concepts except for one of the governmental systems on this planet being aiding those people. In any way, uh, and us not having any borders whatsoever uh, in their minds, it was so. It was far too foreign for him in 1981 to believe any of that. He didn't want to have any part of it. Even in 1981, I was of the mind then because of who my father was that that was going on. I didn't have a problem with that, right? I never have because I've seen the insides of that. I see, and this is why I started talking about that somewhat to give you a background on some of the things that I've been a privy to, and that's just the stuff I can tell you about, okay, that I've been privy to in my lifetime. I have always been in the right place at the right time or the right place at the wrong time, and I've always been given knowledge and information that I should never have fucking had. And I have no, and some of it, I have no way of explaining who gave it to me or why. I just know that it comes to me and I have it at the appropriate time. Okay, so there are people that I know that I don't know, okay, that I know that I don't know, that are behind the scenes that are helping by feeding me and other people information. And some people say it's the aliens the, the, themselves. I had a guy that was in the military that has clearance that says, you know, all the, well, all the, most of the stuff that people are channeling is just the CIA. 
And I'm like, really? So the CIA is playing jokes on the CIA? I made a big joke about that when I was talking about that alien uh, interview, quote unquote, that didn't happen from the alien spaceship, quote unquote, that didn't crash in Roswell, New Mexico in, in uh, 1947-48. Uh, and that there was no inve- uh, uh, alien that survived and there was no investigation. And that the CIA was playing jokes on Bob and, and, and Hector and Frank in the CIA, other members. And this entire elaborate scheme was just invented by this crazy woman just before she died she uh, played a trick on the world that she never got to see play on the world by giving this false information that she made up and that she claimed weirdly that she claimed she was the person that uh, other people talked about for uh, you know for uh, 40 or 50 years um, that didn't exist yet she could show you that she was that person weird right just like Bob Lazar said I was this guy that worked for the government and I was working on uh, uh, engines that would travel faster than light and travel through wormholes and they could take us to the other part of the universe and oh by the way I didn't finish that story uh, where I was talking about in Star Trek uh, Enterprise where the Vulcans were trying to keep the humans down and not allowing them to have uh, have uh, warp travel by trying to slow them down because they didn't want humans because they didn't think humans were evolved enough. And the Vulcans always thought that. that They didn't think humans were evolved enough that they would go out and pick a fight with somebody and be at war and and destroy the universe. Uh, And this is what the Greys were doing to the humans and have been. And this is what Ra Ra was referring to where there was a, a problem with the design. And that was, you have to remember when that was, that was when Bob Lazar was working on it, supposedly didn't work on it, but yet everything that he said was the particle uh, the number of the particle and the name of the particle uh, in 1987, come forward in time to 2015, the, the uh, scientists said, guess what we just, just now discovered. And they named it exactly what Bob Lazar, the crazy guy who couldn't have possibly been uh, knowing what he was talking about, what he said it was named and what particle he said it was. So either he was the, the, the greatest uh, 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 imaginary person who said, well, obviously the next, and he was crazy because he couldn't have known any of this because he couldn't have, had, didn't have the education that he had, according to the government. He never worked for the government. And he said that the Greys gave it to us and that they were keeping a poor apart in knowledge. Again, what Ra was talking about, like keeping a certain knowledge away from people because of power, Okay, nefariousness, keeping knowledge away from people because of power and not giving it to them because we humans were creating weapons and giving them to the Orions and the Greys wanted some of the technology. Okay, you hear these people talk about this all the time. You hear the different guys, Wilcock talks about it. You hear, uh, um, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, 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 Emery Smith talk about it. And and uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name. The other guy, uh, these guys are that that say literally, we became so technologically advanced, and I've talked about this before. We were like the Chinese compared to the Americans or to the Europeans. When when we got to China, Japan did the same thing. When we got to Japan and we got to China, they were all you know still stuck in the in the 12th century, and we, they learned from the technology very quickly and advanced very quickly and became world powers. The Japanese did it and the Chinese did it because they were intelligent people and they treated their children like intelligent people and they were not holding back information and knowledge. So they quickly advanced, uh, but they still controlled it, right? The Japanese less than the, than the Chinese, 
the Chinese became a communist country and they control all of that information and the slaves make the stuff. The same thing they're doing, the Chinese, what they're doing to the human race, to the Uyghurs, is exactly what the American government is doing to the people, which is exactly on it. That's the, the microcosm to the macrocosm, which is what the Orions are doing to the humans on Earth. Okay? enslaving them, making them make the, their technology for them and using that technology either against people or trading it for other technology and advancements and hoarding it over the people who are, who are their subjects. So they're just, they're just doing down, the shit rolls downhill. What's happening to them, they're doing to the next line and the next line and the next line and the next line all the way down. So that's just the microcosm to the macrocosm. They're just doing what's being done to them. That's why the saying, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. And then the evil uh, version of that is do unto others what you what they are doing to you, right? Do unto others what people are doing to you. So that's pay it down. If somebody is treating you like a slave, treat someone else like a slave because that's how they have power. So the only way that you can be as that person is to do what that person is doing. Do you see? So you have to enslave people below you and then leverage yourself into bigger positions of power as you move up. That's when you buy into that religion. Okay. Uh, and yes, I would say yeah, the, the microchip in the in the uh, palm of the hand, right? He's talking about the chip in the palm of the hand right there. And yeah, in in some respects, right? Uh, then Toth, right? And then Toth, the the uh, I have to put my glasses back on now. You got me trying to read stuff here, uh, guys. <laughs> so I got to put my reading glasses on, right? So Pamela says then Toth, then the. The unorganic BS then advanced, then in the la in the lost DNA, right? Okay, yeah, let's get into that, right? Lost DNA, reconnecting the DNA with well, within is our key. Yes, it opens up the universe. Yes, see, Pamela, you're you're understanding the the spiritual, aren't you? You're understanding that which is what raw the whole purpose of what Ra's teaching and my teaching and everyone's teaching the Tao, right? The Tao Te Ching, uh, the the Buddha. The you know everybody in the in the in every philosophical or spiritual teachings, including Mahatma Gandhi, including uh, uh, you know Stephen Biko, including Martin Luther, everybody who is trying to teach uh, in, in the Pope, uh, you know people in the in the in the religions that are not corrupt, they're trying to teach the same thing, and that was what was supposed to be in the Garden of Eden. The original story of uh, eating the fruit was unlocking that that knowledge so yes so pamela is 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 stating it that the key right so then the key the unorganic bs right get rid of all that in your mindset the advanced technology in our lost dna reconnecting our dna within within ourselves reconnecting our dna by what clearing your mind right and the ass will follow the first thing you have to do is unlearn what you have learned that's a quote for uh in the in the in that uh, movie the sword and sorcerer movie where willow uh you have to unlearn what you have learned that was the whole purpose of willow to understand the teaching that was being taught to you and willow if you look at that the understanding of that was that story was another story just like The Hobbit, where you had the most unassuming character, a little short uh, person who was a, a dwarf, was the hero, and that everybody was following him and serving him. It was almost the same story, borrowed from Tolkien, right? And that he needed to learn about himself and go within himself and have, and have the courage. Courage, Willow, remember, she was telling him that to have the, the courage to, to have the magic to be able to fight against the evil and all of the other people were helping him 
to learn, they were all aspects of him, different aspects of his fears, and he needed to protect her. So he got the he got uh, Mad Mardigan, who was a human who was really good at what he did, who would protect his physical body, and then he had the the wizardess who was the, be able to to teach and protect his his spiritual body. We do that on this plane with dogs and cats. Dogs protect our physical body, and cats protect our spiritual body. So for us to go within ourselves and unlock our potential is us unlocking our DNA, which is what Pamela is referring to here as I'm pointing on my screen. And literally, you guys can't see, you can see my finger, right? I'm pointing right there next to the, to the thing. Uh, next to uh, in my screen, I'm pointing right next to the, the actual chat. So that's why I say that the IQ is learned because you become more intelligent as you become more awake. And that's why you become a genius when you're no longer a child. And that's what it's based on. You can look it up. The IQ test is based on the fact that humans are never over the age maturity, they're never more mature than the age of 18. That's what the IQ test is based on. So to test as a genius, that means that your maturity level is over the age of 18. That means you're an adult. Okay. So as you gain wisdom, you start unlocking your DNA, you start reconnecting to the DNA, which when you're reconnecting to the universe, when you're reconnecting to the light, when you're reconnecting to your full potential, and then all of that wisdom and understanding starts coming back because why? You're reconnecting your DNA. So Pamela is, Pamela is on to it. That is the secret, right? Um, so that, that's what, that is exactly what she's referring to, is that in you, when you then uh, learn to balance the kundalini energy, the, the yin and the yang, the, the positive, uh, you know, the, the feminine uh, and war energy, the masculine warlike energy with the female feminine energy, intertwining makes the double helix intertwining that's all the knot work that you see that makes up the spiral that you also see around the world they're trying to show you this when you balance those two energies those energies become one and that intertwining of the two energies becomes is is your dna and when that is lined up properly it lines your chakras and as your chakras go poof 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 and line up as the kundalini energy realigns your uh, your major arcana, those send out the energy to all of the other chakra points of your body, and it realigns your other chakra points. And when all of that happens, where does it go? It goes into your third eye, which is, we talked about last week, where Odin hid his eye to show the past, the present, and the future all is one, is to be able to open your third eye. And that's the eye of Horus, which everybody refers to as the eye of Ra, which is the pineal gland in your brain, when you open up the third eye, that is then when you can channel the kundalini energy and that expands your consciousness and your mind, which then unlocks your DNA and that unlocks your DNA uh, to your full potential, which unlocks your spirit to its full potential. And all of that is done by you in your mind, going to the darkest point of yourself, being honest with yourself, realigning yourself, and then opening up your DNA, and that opens up everything and expands your consciousness, and then you become an adult, and your IQ goes over 200, and then you become a genius in the minds of the children that are living on this planet, and you're above that energy vibration, looking back at the yin and the yang and how beautiful and perfect it is, and you move your consciousness, expands out into the universe from then, and eventually returns you back to the source. And that's what Pamela is referring to. That's what Pamela is talking about. Okay, and that's what Raw is trying to show us 
by giving us different examples, talking in, in parables again, showing you on the physical three-dimensional plane uh, in this political arena, how the American government has these drones in 1981 and how that is expanding. And, and where does that, and then I showed you how that crosses over into non-politics and how that, and then Raw is trying to tie all of that into spirituality to get you to the mindset of waking up. And Jesus was saying the same thing. Muhammad was saying the same thing. Moses was saying the same thing. Every person throughout history, Marduk was fighting for it back as far back as we can go. Thor was the same character fighting for it, defeating the dragon of the North Sea, which was the dragon of the world, which was the Ouroboros, right? The Ouroboros, the Ouroboros, which is where you get the word the Ouroborealis, right? Is is the is the the energy from the the aura of the snake, the Ouroboros, the Ouroboros which is the dragon that goes and encompasses the entire earth. That's the energy of the earth. That's the three energy in the three, six, and nine. Okay. And all of this is in all of these tales throughout all of these scrolls throughout the entire known uh, history of this earth and the creation story of every single race on this planet, going back as far as every scroll we have ever found. And then when we discover new ones, and people read them and unlock them. They realize it's the same story all over again with, from a different place with different names, but it's the same scenarios. And those scenarios, I've told you the differences, are monotheistic male god or monotheistic female god or a dual aspect male-female god or a god and goddess or an androgynous god, goddess, uh, some variation thereof. Uh, and depending on uh, where in the world at the time, whether it's a warlike nation or a peaceful-like nation, uh, the war, more warlike uh, is, is, you know, closer to Mars, the war planet, which is more the masculine energy. And the more feminine, uh, non-warlike energy is the female energy, which would be the, the what energy, right? The, the, the Venus energy, right? Venus de Milo, the feminine, right? So, the, so you have the, the more nurturing or you have the warlike. And when you combine the two, that is the yin and the yang. In the yin and the yang is the dance between the two. Uh, that is not good and evil with the devil on one mountaintop and God on the other mountaintop vying for the the minds of the human race, although that is one aspect of that battle that's happening. But that battle is what's happening within you, okay? It's not external like you think. The external manifestation of that is there for you to learn the internal manifestation of that. That's what all of those stories are, are about. All of the stories uh, in mythos that is giving you a physical example of the same fight, the lesson you're supposed to learn is the physical one is supposed to teach you the psychological uh, one that's happening. That's why the, that's why the, uh, the art of war uh, in that book uh, is, is not just the art of war. It's not just winning warfare. Okay, when you read that, you realize that that's that was what the motivational factor was, but it was the knowledge was written by somebody who was not just trying to weaponize all humans. It was the, the knowledge was of people trying to understand people. And, uh, and but to show you how to utilize that. So was that person in some way nefarious? Yes. Was it necessity? Was that person done? Uh, oh, we don't know. Again, uh, the philosophical teachings for philosophy 101 is to truly understand what Zen Zhu was saying is you have to understand who that person was, when he lived, why he wrote what he wrote, and, and to what end was that being written. Was he writing it to show people the way to conquer the world? Or was he writing it to show people that responsibility or that all power, all power corrupts and that 
all responsibility uh, of having great responsibility or great power is a great responsibility. What was it that was being taught? Both are learned from that. That means that it was rounded out, and that means that, you know, that the teaching is sound. When the teaching is teaching you both aspects of light and darkness and both, uh, both uh, service the all, so being in service to others still is in service to self, but it being in service to self is still in service to others, then you're teaching the entire all-encompassing. That is the Book of the Way. That is the Tao Te Ching. Okay? That is the, the Buddha. That is every religion is teaching that. If you look at the religions, you cannot truthfully, and Ra says this also, you cannot truthfully know light without knowing darkness. You cannot truthfully know darkness without knowing light. So you can't know good without evil, and you can't know evil without good. Right? And why is that? Because to truly know the, the goodness, you have to know the difference between goodness and the lack of. So to truly know the light, you can't have it. And to truly know darkness, you have to see the light to be able to know there's a difference. So that reason, all of that is what this experience and experiment is about. It is to show us the only way that we can truly understand our potential and truly realize how precious life is, is to die or to have the ability. Do you, do you see? So the only way that you can truly know and understand what it is you don't have is to not have it. So to be stuck on this planet or any other planet and mind wiped and, and to be completely void of the light is the only way you can truly appreciate the light. So what we're doing is not cruel. It is cruel, but to be cruel is to be kind, right? So to, to learn the thing of, of living as a God, to living as a creator of the universe, the only way that we can truly understand what that means is to be the actual opposite. And that's the, the, the experiment that we're running on ourselves here in this place. Do you see? That's insane to think about what is true. And yeah, well, yes. And then, okay, I would say women mean uh, water and men mean fire, right? The opposite, right? Karen said women means water. Woman means not water. Uh, so I would say that there, again, is the dual aspect, right? So you have the fire being the aggressive, aggressor, burning, destroying. But in a sense, without fire destroying the uh, everything, you don't have those those um, uh, embers. What what the fire turns the plants and the wood into is fertilizer for life. So the renewal of life happens through the death. Again, that is the cycle of life. When there's a forest fire, after the forest burns down, all of the smoke that we roll, <laughs> that smoke creates life. It, it, you could take burn down that entire forest and all those ashes that are on the ground that are there is fertilizer that is miracle grow for all of life. So you burn out the old and the dead, and it brings new life. That is just the life cycle of, of uh, the earth, and that's how that one works. That's why when you're born, you grow old and you die, and the same thing happens with all life. All life has a, has a finite uh, version, but everything that is life, not physically life, is immortal. And that's what we have to realize. Fire becomes ash, which is the earth. That's alchemy. Yes. And that's, that's the knowledge. I'm also an alchemist, right? I went to school to be a chemist. I had to, to get certified to be a, a pool and spa operator 
and to also do the job that I did underground working on gas, electric, and water, and the meters and the pipes and all that stuff that I did in construction for 10 years, right? So I had to go and get certified uh, as a chemist and to get certified to, you know, be an electrician, be a gas operator, be a water operator, and, and then be a pool operator and a spa operator. And I so I had to learn how to build and, and maintenance all of the equipment and pools and everything. I could have started my own company on on uh, uh, installing pools and, and the whole thing. I had to learn the science behind it, the math behind it. I used to sit there and say out loud, it drove my boss crazy because I was uh, my buddy of mine that we met while we were getting certified because uh, you have to get certified every five years in uh, in the United States to be a pool and spa operator. And I'm not certified and haven't been for 10 years, but for the 10 years prior to that, I was certified twice. Um, you, you have to stay up to date if there's anything new. So right now I couldn't get a job as that without getting certified again. So we met when I was being certified and he and I were so good. We were trying to we were worried about at the time, uh, all of the pools had to be up uh, uh, retrofitted with the different drains uh, down at the bottom because the drains were, were sucking people down there and they'd get stuck and they were drowned. We all knew about it and we were complaining about it, but nobody would listen to us. We were just the pool and spa operator guys. And it, it took a senator or congressman of the United States' granddaughter to die and get sucked down at the bottom of the pool. And then they passed a law in the United States that we can't let this happen. And then uh, those of us who knew about it, who were trying to ch change it anyways, couldn't convince anybody to give us the money to do it. And that was mandated by law by the United States government. So we were trying to upgrade and retrofit this pool, and we were trying to figure out how we can keep up the amount of suction in the pool to clean the pool, but also, uh, and it was then they, we came up with a different design for the grate that went down on the platform that would not allow uh, somebody get, to get stuck on it. But in prior to that, we had to do it by hand and try and figure it out. So we were doing that, and we were calculating how we could do that to where the pool would still be able to clean itself uh, but it wouldn't be just to get stuck. Somebody couldn't get stuck on there until they finally changed the grate. And that was the way the grate was made and the way the slits were uh, were open to let a certain amount of water in. And if you got stuck, it wouldn't allow the suction to build up and hold you there. But until then, we were trying to figure it out. We were just talking out loud. And my boss was like, what are you guys saying? And he's like, I, I, you're talking like all this crazy math. And we're like, yeah, we're deciding uh, how to replumb the, the entire uh, system in here and what horsepower pump to use and what size uh, plumbing to use because when you downsize plumbing, this is why they used for strip mining, they would take a, a, a river up, up a, a, or a lake and they would they would drain part of the water off and they'd put it into a big, uh, you know, uh, six inch round pipe and then they would send it downhill and then they would condense the pipe into smaller and smaller pipes. When, do, when you do that, it creates more and more pressure because the weight of the water coming, moving, the pressure of the water moving forces the water to move faster and faster and faster. And then eventually through a, a fire hose and the guys would stand there with a fire hose and it would come out and it would, if somebody was standing in front of it, it would obliterate them and, and strip all of their meat off their bones and kill them. Not a joke. Um, so, so we were uh, deciding whether, you know, where to upgrade and downgrade to speed up and slow down the water uh, and keep it, uh, 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 you know, pumping in, a, in the right amount and how much it was going to cost to do all that. We were doing it off the top of our head. That's how well we were uh, able to do that math and work in three dimensions at the time by doing it because we were both scientists. We literally had to be chemists and you had to also be a, 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 you know, like a physicist to understand all of these aspects. 
And since I had gone to college and physics was my major and I was literally fresh out of college, I was in my 30s by this time, um, to, to me, this was normal stuff. And so it was this brainiac shit. And, and then we'd pull out the calculator real quick and we both hold it up and show it to each other after we already figured it out in our heads, but then we were proving it on a calculator. And my boss was like, what the fuck? How did you guys do all those calculations and come up with that number? Because we understand how much water is and the volume of water compared to the shape of the water and, and what the, the water is doing in the circulation and all of that. We had to go to school to learn that. People think this pool guys are just some stoner dude who's walking around tossing chemicals in the pool. That guy has to be a chemist, right? That's why most of your pool guys are a bunch of druggies that are making drugs because they're chemists, <laughs> right? Literally, I had in my possession for 10 years the capability of making bombs and making uh, ancient orange. I could have made that at any time that I wanted. I had all of the chemicals to do so. Not a joke. Okay. I had that fertilizer. Do you guys remember that that fertilizer plant over there in the Philippines that blew up and exploded an, an entire freaking uh, couple of city blocks and wiped it off the face of the earth? That was because they had a, a certain uh, 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 fertilizer stored too many, too much of it. I had that stuff on hand all the time. We called it soda ash. Okay. And I and, and there's two chem two chemicals that uh, by themselves, well, they're both dangerous by themselves, muriatic acid and sodium hypochlorite. Sodium hypochlorite is chlorine. If you use a bleach at your house, that is 1% sodium hypochlorite, 99% water, inert matter. Okay, and that's what bleach is. If you drink that, it'll kill you. When the people who work with pools use 10% sodium hypochlorite and 90% water. Okay, and that's what they use and then you you put that in water and you and you dilute that down to about five percent in the water and that gets pumped into the pool and then it gets into the pool and when it hits the pool it's only about three percent and that three percent kills everything all the bacteria in the water but doesn't do damage to humans but it screws up your eyes and makes your eyes hurt okay uh and the what we try to do is make equilibrium and equilibrium is your tear ducts it is the perfect is 7.8 percent uh, 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 in your in your tear ducts uh, alkalinity. And so when the pools don't burn your eyes and you're in there swimming and you're looking around in the pool and it doesn't hurt, it's because we've made the water perfect. That doesn't Water doesn't naturally uh, uh, ascend to that. Water tries to reach equilibrium, which is toxic to humans. So left on its own. That's why the lake water will hurt your eyes when you swim in it, but it's not harsh. It hurts your eyes in a different way because the, the alkalinity is too low, not high enough to burn your eyes. The pH level is not high enough. The alkalinity is high, but the pH is not. So you keep we keep the alkalinity and the pH right at 7.8. It's perfect. You can go swim in it. It doesn't burn your eyes. That was what we do as operators. We know the chemistry to do that. Okay, We have to figure out that math and test the water and go, okay, that means I have to add this amount of this to lower that. And then if we have too much chlorine in there, we have to add something else to kill the chlorine so that it, it doesn't burn your eyes. Right. So we have to know those things. So I had so those two, by the way, sodium hypochlorite and uh, in that state and a muriatic acid, you mix the two of those together. You take the muriatic acid and put it in the chlorine and it immediately turns to a yellow orange vapor. If you inhale that yellow orange vapor, you're inhaling ancient orange and it will shut down your uh, your uh, system. Uh, your entire electrical system will will cease and you will stop breathing and your body will stop pumping and you will suffocate uh, and die 
uh, and hideous uh, death. And uh, that's just what those two, uh, and for an example, and we use those daily uh, in the pool. We would mix the muriatic acid into the pool water to lower the chlorine level by killing the chlorine, but not enough to where it would turn to gas. Okay, not a joke. Uh, and that in that fertilizer, that soda ash does the same thing. Soda ash would raise the pH. If the pH is too low, you put in another acid, which is in a powder form. And that powder form, one little teaspoon of it, and you drop a, a, a drop of water on it, and it explodes. But if you take that and add it to water, it's it's completely inert. There's a lot of chemistry that works that way. When you add one chemical to a chemical, you can make an explosion that'll blow up a city block. But if you add that chemical to the to the other chemical, it's completely inert. It's the, what you put into what, even though you're mixing those two chemicals together. When you mix one chemical like some like that ash to say uh, a soda, something that has soda, right? Uh, a, a, a soda is called soda because it has sodium uh, uh, in it, right? It has baking soda in it. Everything is the, the baking soda is the building block for everything. Baking soda is a sodium bicarbonate. And uh, when you take the bicarbonate out and have it just sodium carbonate, uh, then it renders the, that which is volatile inert, but you can still reintroduce that to something. And that's where you get, uh, say, like the um, nitro and glycerin, right? <laughs> those, those come from that. You take sodium uh, sodium bicarbonate, and you introduce that into a, a, something that it's going to decompose, like a organic matter. When you add those two together, the decomposition that it creates is glycerin. And when you take that glycerin, it separates the two. Is what it does. It separates the the two. When you take the glycerin out, the glycerin is pow, makes an explosion. And when you add that to to the to the nitro, right? Then the nitro and the glycerin become dynamite, nitroglycerin. Anyways, I'm not going to continue because if I tell you guys too much, you'll know way too much about chemistry and being able to build weapons, right? This is the stuff, the knowledge that is in my little pea brain that I was doing professionally for over 10 years, right? Because of my background, because of training that I had in my background, I was able to then go and understand the chemistry that was needed to then get certified to do these jobs because I had a working knowledge already, okay? So these are the things that they don't want you to know about. They don't want you to know about those physical things about how to make different bombs. And I could have made uh, any any range. Everything that I bought, by the way, was recorded. You had to be certified to buy it. And then it was recorded in the amounts that you bought. Every time that you bought something was, it was reported to the federal government. So they kept tabs on how much I had on hand and how much that I made. Because some of those you could make methamphetamines out of. Okay, Those same chemicals that I was just talking about could make crank and cocaine and crack okay so you have to all of those have to be controlled so that they knew i wasn't cooking dope or making bombs or making bioweapons because we need those in society for other purposes so those are readily available for people but they weren't tracked for a long time and now they're tracked so you can't just go and buy the stuff people are going to know if you keep buying it that you don't have a job this guy doesn't have a job why is he buying this stuff there's no he doesn't have any employment anywhere and he's buying these chemicals he's obviously making weapons or drugs there'd be no other reason that you'd be doing it unless you're into business for yourself and then when they look into you and investigate you oh he's just running is trying to start his own pool company okay so but then to do that you have to be certified and you get a license and they know it do you see then you file with the with the state you live in, the county you live in, the state you live in, the government in the United States with the federal government, and they know you're starting a business. So then they also track how much you buy and sell so that you, they know you're not making dope or weapons. 
not a joke. Not a joke. 10 years. So I've had people tracking every move I've made most of my life, whether it's politically, whether it's, it's spiritually, or whether it's, uh, you know, uh, for my financial gain, whether or not, because I have had at my disposal for most of my, all of my adult life, the ability to make bioweapons, explosives, you name it, and drugs. Okay. I also know how to make gunpowder so I can make. I was going to make my own bullets. I was going to start my own company, and I was going to manufacture gunpowder and bullets. Not a joke. I was going to do that. So, because I know that. I wrote that in my book on how to manufacture gunpowder, black powder. Makes big freaking smoke in the air, but you can still use it. It's just not It's not really good. That's why smokeless powder is used in modern-day weapons. And like tobacco, there's different types of of gunpowder that have different shapes uh, just like sand does everything has has a different shape and a different shape is a different charge and different charges a different weight and, and the whole nines right you guys don't know that because you're not into chemistry and you know all that stuff right well yes i mean it, it got me paid i'll be honest with you um, i've made my way without without going and spending um you know um, hundreds of thousands of dollars or or you know or or getting hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt uh, with student loans, I've been able to put myself into colleges by going to places where I was paid by the companies everywhere I went. When I went to management school, I didn't have to pay for management school to become a retail manager. I was paid by the company that I was at. I put myself in a position to be in a company that was paying to teach people how to be managers, to send them to a manager college to learn. I did the same thing when I was certified for everything. I, instead of paying for it myself, like some people joined the military, I did that first, but it wasn't the United States military. And then uh, from that, I was was smart enough to realize you can get other people to pay you to do this shit. Instead of paying someone to become a cook, which is how I started out, I was paying people to become a cook, and I mean cooking food, not dope. Um, I, I then went, why am I paying people, uh, you know, it's, it's $50,000 a freaking semester or a quarter to go to the serendipity over in, in San Francisco? Why would I pay for that when I can get someone else to pay me to do it? So instead of becoming a chef, I want to be a saucier, by the way. I love sauces. I'm all about my foodie and I love sauces. Um, and I'm, I'm a saucier now. I love sauces. I create every kind of sauce you can imagine. I was making my own candy when I was 23 years old, 22 years old. I was making my own chocolates and my own hard candy. And every holiday, I would give it to my uh, family. They, they all come over. They're like, where do you get this? I'm like, I make it. <laughs> I make it. Being a chemist, man, you can make everything. So, and then learning how to cook is the same thing as chemistry. All of that is all the same. It's just, a, 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 you know, there's a, there's a set rules, which we call a recipe. And you go by that recipe to get the outcome that the person who wrote the recipe. But if you want to change the recipe and make it your own and make something different, then you add or subtract things to it. Same thing with everything, okay? Um, so I learned that I could go to places and find out that they had a program where I could get paid to do it instead of me having to pay. And that's what I did. So I literally made my living from the time I was uh, 17 years of age until I retired uh, 10 years ago. I made my living by having other people pay me to go and learn and pay my way to go and learn so that I would work for them and have the certificate that I could take and the license that I could take and go somewhere else. That's what I did my entire life because I was smart enough to go, why am I paying for this shit myself when there's people out there that will pay me to go and do it? 
And that's what I did. I looked for them, found them, leveraged myself into a position, made myself uh, 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 indispensable, and made them aware that I already had skills that would that would assist me with that. And by doing so, they paid for me. Well, then by all means, we'll pay for you to do this. And you would have the license. And that's what I did. And I didn't have the headache of the other stuff. Did I, you know, I could have started my own company. Yeah, I could have been a construction uh, uh, a company. I also could have been a pool company that, that did built and operated pools and went and hired people to go out to your pool and fix your pool in your house, the whole nines. Uh, I could have done all of that because I was the contractor without the contractor's license for uh, different companies. And did the same thing as, as management, went into uh, all the way up to regional managers. And then left that because I realized that most of the people that were running it were evil. And it was killing my soul to be in that industry. So I got out of that and got back into construction where you were, the by very nature of its name, you are constructing. You are building something instead of trying to rip people off. Okay? So that's what I did. And you all looking out there can do it too. You have a, a, a smartphone in your hand. This has the entire knowledge of the entire what we know of in the universe is in this phone is in yours too. And it's at your fingertips. And if you're not using that to better yourself, then you're just wasting your time playing video games and that's not getting you anywhere. Okay, it's quarter after seven. I got to get off here. I got to cook dinner for my mom. I didn't wasn't going to go until I was going to get off at seven and I started talking about this and I stayed here and, and didn't do it. So with the Equinox happening at the moment, yes, Pamela, let's get really quickly. We can link it. We can link into the frequency. Hold on. I got to put my reading glasses on to see what you said. Okay, well, now I have to, you're welcome, Karen. Thank you. I love you, by the way, and I'm glad you didn't get mad at me last week when, when I was being uh, kind of curt about the information you were talking about. Wait, let me show you that I'm being serious. <laughs> right? I was like, please don't be mad at me. I'm not trying to say that any of this is your fault. I'm just passionate about it. And, and, uh, you, and, and then I was worried that you weren't going to come back. And you did. You came back today, and so I love you. And, I, and you know that I would never be that way towards you in any way. Um, we've never had a curt word. And I didn't want you to think that's what was happening last night. It was just me going, no, this whole thing is bullocks, as the English would say. Okay, so Pamela says, with the equinox happening at the moment, we can link into the frequencies, yes, and help us uh, uh, alleviate what, yes, we can. We should be doing that at all times, and especially on new moons, full moons, and equinoxes. We should be linking our ourselves to the earth and to the energies of the earth and the energies of all people to uplift that energy and show them love and give them love and, and, and do that. So let me further what she says, with intentions of good within, uh, 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 within of course, and no, I feel that uh, that we bypass the duality. Yeah, we do, and that's the whole that's the whole thing. We bypass the du the duality uh, in the third with the yin and the yang. Uh, come from the from the what is this the the uh, uh, Christic point? Is that what you're saying? Or the or the are you saying the the yeah meaning the 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 uh, like the the Christ uh, point, right? The Christic point uh, um, of being that why they took our DNA so that we forget who we are. Yes, bypass it and become and come above it. Yes. And that's what we need to do, and that's what we should be doing, uh, particularly on equinoxes, particularly on new moons, particularly on full moons, uh, because the energy of the Earth, Gaia's energy, is a lot more vibrant than, and the energy of the human race, even though we don't know it, is is far larger than the Schumann resonance. I love that it was named after the guy whose last name was Schumann, uh, but the Schumann resonance is the human resonance, and it's the the actual. Um, 
um, a recording of the human resonance. I love how it was called Schumann for the human resonance, right? Um, so, yeah. So we have to realize, and then Karen said, Bible stories are metaphors for uh, for your indoctrination system. Yes, you have to realize that in the Bible, there's well, everything is is dual aspects. So in the Bible, uh, is in fact, like Karen was saying, indoctrination uh, stories. But in those indoctrination stories, uh, if you ignore the indoctrination and you're seeking the truth and the light, you're going to find that the story that you're going to get out of that is going to be the opposite. But you have to be aware. Right. The first step in avoiding a trap is knowing of its existence. Karen's right. You have to be aware that there is an indoctrination story in everything because everything has a dual aspect. So everything services the whole, the all and services the self at the same time. That is what this reality was created for and the purpose here. So you have to acknowledge that to acknowledge that is to and to understand that is the knowledge that you were supposed to get from eating the fruit but that story was corrupted in that it was bad to eat the fruit and that your knowledge that you learned was was evil and that you only learned that there was good and evil and that was it that's not it you learned that there was good and evil but why did you learn there was good and evil that was what you really learned which was above learning that it was just good and evil why is that important is what you're supposed to learn but they took that from you and that's what they took from you and the, the the what they took from you is the knowledge that that there is a dual aspect in everything and to truly know one thing is to know both so to truly know the lightness to know the darkness to life if you want to know what it is to live you have to know what it is to die to know what to die, you have to know what it is to live. So to know what darkness is, so to know what in service to self is, you have to know what in service to others is. To truly know what in service to others is, you have to know what in service to self is. That's why learn, teach is teach, learn, learn, teach. It's not, so I'm not teaching you anything unless I'm learning too, because I have to learn it before I can teach it, and I can only teach it to those who need to learn it, and then you're going to teach it to those who need to learn it, but you're going to learn that you need to teach it to those who are going to learn it, just like I did, and that's the perpetuation of this place is to learn and to teach at the same time. So if I were to think that I had all of the knowledge and that I couldn't gain anything from you whatsoever, I wouldn't even worry about reading the chat or even answering your questions. I would just tell you what I think you fucking need to know and shut up. That's what some people do. Okay, but that's not what I'm about. That's why most of your best teachers are the ones who want to have question and answer sessions. Why is that? Because we learn by your questions. Okay, we learn those because you see things in a way that I don't see them. Even though you might see the exact same thing I see, you're going to see it from your perspective, which is made up of all, all of your experiences and your knowledge, not mine. So we could literally be twins, brothers and sisters, or, or both brother and brother, or, or brother and sister, whichever, it doesn't matter. We could be twins and raised as twins our entire life, but we're going to have completely unique individual perceptions of the same reality and the same thing and the same experiences that happens to us. And even if you're not twins and you're just standing next to somebody on the sidewalk and you both witness a murder, you're going to have two different stories. You're going to both probably say there was a murder, but then after that, details are going to vary a little bit. You're going to look at each other and go, how did you see it different than I did? Because they have different things. They're basing all of what they see on different knowledge than you are. You're basing it on yours. That was the lesson that, that, uh, Obi-Wan was teaching Luke when he said, Luke, you need to understand that all of the truths we cling to depend greatly on a certain point of view. That was what that lesson was was being taught, was that you have to realize, and that's the knowledge that, that Karen was just referring to, know that there is nefariousness in everything. If you look for it, you're going to see it in everything. But if that's all you do is look for nefariousness, that's all you're ever going to see. 
and on the other way. So those people who are blinded by the light will never be affected by darkness because they don't they choose not to be. And it's okay. It doesn't matter what you choose. It matters that you do. It doesn't matter what you choose. And that's what the, what Raw says, and this is why they try to discredit Raw. Raw says there is no right and wrong. There is no good and evil. It just is. It's a choice between people to either be in service to others or in service to self. That's the yin and the yang. That's the spiral. Again, that is the knot work. That is the, the double helix. That is our DNA. That is what that is all supposed to be teaching us. That there is no right and wrong. There just is. And everything serves the all. People who are doing evil shit to this earth are teaching. They're serving the all in a good way by doing so. Without them trying to take over the earth, it would slow down the process. And this is why the process was invented. This is what the law of one is, is talking about, what Ra talks about. There was a time before the veiling when everybody was complacent. Oh, I'll get there eventually. I'm the one. I'm the whole creator of the universe, so who cares? I'll get there. Well, we as the creator went, well, fuck, we're not moving along. We're being lazy. We didn't realize that about ourselves until we have to realize that about ourselves. And then we're like, well, fuck, I'm lazy. I've created myself to be lazy because I know that I am the one. So I have to change that about myself. So we had to, as the creator, we are evolving as well. Do you understand that? The creator evolved by realizing about itself, about themselves, their self, however, whatever uh, uh, vernacular you want to use to describe it, and then change the parameters so that it would play into that, giving itself the ability to be good and evil at the same time. And then making that our prison to overcome. That's what we're here to do. That is the third dimension. All right, guys, I love you. You guys have a great weekend. I love you. Share this out, share this out, share this out. This has been Orion Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into this show. All right? I'll see you guys next week. Share this out, share this out, share this out. Have a lovely weekend. I love you guys to death. Hopefully I answered uh, all questions. I think I did. If I didn't, save them for next week or... Uh, go to the class chat and ask me in the class chat. And I'll try to, to do that without talking as long as I have. All right, guys. Love you. Peace.